Talk to Samson. You know what I want. <laughs> cool Hand Podcast. <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. You know what I want. <laughs> I, I want to talk, talk to who? To okay, keep you know playing. What I want. Last one. <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. Cool Hand Podcast, Thank something you, you got to deal with. Uh, we're back for for uh, part two of the Crowded Places interview. Uh, we had to cut the last. We didn't cut the last one short. We just ran out of time uh, setting up this stuff. Like we just bro- dude got here at around six o'clock. Six o'clock. It is six o five. I was five minutes late. I'm it's punctual. It's eight eleven right now. We spent a lot of time trying to get these angles right. Spent a lot of time uh, just trying to get the lighting right. Dedication. Facts. And in the, to be honest, he cared a little more than I did because at a certain point for me, I'm always like, okay, at this point, we'll just take what we can get. People will like what we're saying and not the camera angles or, you know, the audio is more important than the, the video stuff. I need a team. That's, that's I need a team. If you're willing to travel – no pay. You're willing to come come over here um, to this disclo- undisclosed location and, and help with the Cool Hand podcast. You will be you will receive treasures in my heart. Uh, crowd of places, you're back. Thank you for coming back. Uh, I'm back like I never left. Facts. You got on a new outfit. Uh, oh, really? I didn't know. I changed. Let's talk about your album. I don't want to spend too much time. I just talked about myself, which is completely irrelevant. I want to get back to But Cool Hand Pod is the best. Thank you. But that's Can we a... get a round of applause, audience? You know what I want. Alright, let's talk about the album. I wanna to talk to Sam. Clown ball. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. You set yourself up for that. Thank oh, my you. goodness. Thank you, me. Oh, I love that. All right. Anyway, let's get back to talking about your album. Now, there's uh, a couple things that uh, we we want to talk about today and, and address. So, Crowded Places, you were uh, recently in uh, – there was a, a spaces. Not Twitter spaces, not Clubhouse, but uh, a forum, we can call it where you were in the middle of a very serious discussion, right? And it was talking about quality of the music, talking about mixing. Mixing and mastering is something that you have been working on for how many years? Uh, I mean, I guess since I started, but I took it seriously probably the past like three years. All right, so you have this, you have a base because you've been doing it since you started. So you have a base, but taking it very seriously in order for your music to sound its best when it's hitting people's ears. Yeah, I took it from great level to goat level. Talk that talk. That's it. All right. (laughs) So you took it from um, a supposedly great level to goat level. Goat meaning Mm -hmm. greatest of all time. Uh, And you have formed a strong opinion regarding mixing mastering engineering Mm. and uh can you kind of share your outlook on that i mean i i I look at it as something that's extremely important and uh it's a part of the wheelhouse of like if you're making music 
and you want it to be taken somewhat seriously, you should probably put forth a little bit of effort to make sure it sounds the best it can be. What does it sounding the best it could be entail? So first of all, if we're talking about like, um, let's just generalize it to rap music. You got the beat, you got the vocals. If your vocals aren't sounding good, that's a major issue. They can't be hurting my ears. They can't be sounding like, you know, some four-year-olds talking to you through a, you know, a, um, a silo cup, whatever those things are called, a red silo cup with a string on the end. That's not, I understand like everybody has their start or whatever, but I'm not listening to poorly mixed music ever. Especially if the vocals are the focus and your vocals sound horrible. What about what the person is saying? I don't like this segment. <laughs> what about what the person is saying? I'm here to challenge you because I definitely have an opinion on this. So you're going to. I don't care what you're saying if it doesn't sound good. So what if somebody thinks your stuff don't sound good? That's impossible because it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a fact. So it's a fact that your stuff yeah. sounds great. Yeah. It's a fact that you're the GOAT? No. It's a fact that you're one of the best rappers ever? Yes. How is that a fact? Because I've put in the hours. What does that mean? It means I've worked. A lot of people work, but that doesn't mean they're the best at it. Yeah. You know, there's people, uh, let's use your job for example. There's a lot of people who do your job for a long time, but they probably don't do it as well as you. Facts. Same thing with me, except I've actually done this a long time and people still so can't do it as good as me. So it's not the same thing. How are you going to say it's the same thing except? You're reaching. No, you're reaching. What are you talking you about? You just said that. You being the Scratch goat. this whole segment. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm here. No, because we're going to have a real, like this, I, I was going to break this up anyway. We're having a conversation. We're having a conversation. This is real talk. About okay. this mixing, about this mixing. We'll stuff. start over. Why don't you go to your intent first instead of asking me a leading question? Because I'm talking about audio quality, and then now you're you're hitting me with a best rapper live stuff. Well, the, so it's organic. Just, you know, you got a purpose. So just get no, to the purpose. No, cut that was the, organic. I, I strayed away from my purpose, and we veered off into another conversation. So, uh, so we'll save that for later. We'll get back to that later. But the whole thing about the mixing and mastering that you're not even willing to, you think it's trash. You might think something's trash because their vocals don't sound that great, right? Mm -hmm. So what about what the person is saying? Like if if it's prime Lil Wayne, you know what I mean? And it's the it, and it's the sound not SoundCloud. It's the LimeWire era where cats is where stuff is leaking and it's not great quality it you have a dj having the stamps all over it drama king king yeah king. i hate that tags i hate that but what he's saying is hot what wayne is saying is hot you think it's trash i'm not listening to it if it doesn't sound good i'm not listening to it why waste my time see i i think where we're at with this because all of these things are subjective honestly i think that engineering there's there's a science to it, like a real science, because it's all letters and, and, and numbers and stuff like that. False. And, and decibels. I disagree. That there's a science to it? There's a science to it, but it's an art. And it's not something everybody can do because it really depends on your ears and your taste. So it's subjective. That's what I was no, saying. No, no, no. Because if you have good taste, it's going to sound good to the majority of people. Good is subjective. 
Not really, no. Good is subjective. A good taste as far as Sonics go, that's not as subjective as like, oh, I'm the best rapper alive. It's not as subjective. I can put on two songs. One sounds really good, mixed and mastered very well, and one sounds like it was recorded poorly, mixed poorly. I can set play both songs for homeless person. He's going to pick the better sounding song every time. You don't have to know what mix and mastering is to know when something sounds good and it doesn't sound good. It's not as subjective as other things. I'll say this when I'm talking about subjective. Now these are two, this is, we're talking about poor and good, right? Like something that was not, that was poorly mixed or not mixed and mastered at all compared to something. If you're talking about just sound, if you're comparing something that was poorly mixed and mastered, but what about something that you don't think is mixed and mastered properly? That's the thing, because you'll say you talked about that's when it gets into nitpicking. Well, this is like there's professional artists whose music I don't think is mixed and mastered well at all. Yes. Give an example. Uh, Drake's last album. Okay. It sounds pretty bad for the most part. There's like a couple songs that sound good, but for the most part, it sounds pretty bad. So how are you judging this album? Based off how it sounds. So what about I've been losing friends and finding peace? Honestly, that sounds like a fair trade to me. So because that doesn't sound mixed and mastered properly, not that specific song. I'm just giving an example of something that comes off the top of my head. That's bad because it's not mixed and mastered properly. No, there's a difference between that. Look, professional bad is me nitpicking. Like a professional artist like Drake, if he releases that album, that's me nitpicking. It's still going to sound good to a, a regular person. I'm talking about people who are throwing tracks on SoundCloud that sound terrible. There's a difference. That's that's bad. That's not as subjective. I'm glad and, you clarified and, that. And then I have a, a a critical ear because I do it. So I'm looking at professional mixes a little harsher than people who are like just, you know, throwing stuff on SoundCloud. Thank but it, you. it's it's a it's a once you know the sauce, it's it's hard to look at things like, uh, you know, the term rose tinted was it rose colored. Yeah. Uh, once those are off, it's hard to try to build them again. I feel you. I, it's the same thing with like knowing the behind the scenes of movies or whatever. Once you know how it's it's made, you know, you know where I'm. Where yeah. I'm yeah. It's all cap like reality TV. Like, <clears throat> yeah, you know that it's not real. There's nothing real about it. And mm-hmm. and you look at it differently. Yeah, I, it, that's not the exact same thing, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on it's the like same you, line you watch an action movie and then a CGI thing pops up. Oh, it's obviously CGI, but it looks good. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I know that is because I know what C- most people know what CGI is. So it's either you accept it or you look at it as oh, this is something computer generated. I've come to a little better understanding, just a little bit, because some of some of your comments that may have come off as egregious or critical. I'm not listening to anything that's mixed bad. There's things that are mixed okay. 
that probably could have been better. And there's a lot of reasons behind why professional mixes aren't really that great as they could be. There's also a lot of professional mixes that sound amazing and I envy them and all that stuff. But, you know, that's where the difference comes in between people who actually know what they're doing and rushing through it and people who don't know what they're doing and they're just throwing plugins onto a, a thing or not even throwing plugins on. They're just, you know, you get what I'm saying. This conversation's a waste of time. Give an example. Not don't use yourself. I'm, I can hear myself wheezing. That's okay. That's how you know it's real. <laughs> Give an example of an album because you gave an example of something that's not mixed the best, in your opinion. Because I I couldn't tell unless it's like a, a radio cut leak from LimeWire. I can't really tell if it's that bad. Give an example of one that's good, an album that you heard and you're like, wow, I wish I could mix like this. I wish I was up there on that level. Mm. For people who are who want to hear a difference. Hmm. Um. The last FK Twigs al- album was mixed very well. You talking about this last like EP type joint? Yeah, with the I guess it's a mixtape. It? It's not an album. Oh, mixtape. Yeah, they called it a mixtape. Yeah, FK. That Twigs. was Mike Dean. He killed that. Oh, he did that. Yes, of course. I didn't know that. He's he's the goat. And here's the thing, he has a lot of he has had some bad mixes technically. You could say they're bad, but he also has like some of the best mixes ever. And Matt, he mixes and masters. That's my OG. OG Mike Dean. Thank um, you. Um, yeah, that's the one I can remember off the top of my head. There's there's other ones. Um, but I'm I'm just thinking about new music. That's probably one of the better ones. And what about your take? Because one of the things that were mentioned was something on SoundCloud, something being thrown on SoundCloud. What's your opinion on, I don't want to say artistry or... I hate SoundCloud. Is that where you're getting at? I don't want to listen to anything on SoundCloud. Why? It's terrible. You, You... I'm I'm not trying to listen to music and hear an ad after the song is done. So you have interrupting a the the listening experience. The quality is horrible. Okay. The compression on it is terrible. This is some nerd stuff. But the audio quality on it is terrible. It's outdated. SoundCloud needs to die. There's no use to it unless you're like uh, if you're making music with like samples and you can't upload it to streaming. You know, um, you know, you don't want to get flagged for making money off of samples you didn't clear whatever i'm not trying to listen to no music on soundcloud it's it's inconvenient okay so what if like what's the problem like that's your that's your issue with it but what's the problem when it comes to somebody who just uses the platform to release music on like what's the issue that now that's your beef um but but what's the issue? What's what's the problem? I just okay, told there's you the ad- issue. No 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 no. There's ads, <laughs> like you talked about ads. You That's my issue. The, the listen- audio quality is terrible. The listening experience is interrupted. The audio quality is terrible. That's a valid. That's valid when we're talking about as an artist. It's inconvenient. So what's a what's a an an alternate way? Streaming al- services. Okay, and how do they do that? Uh, whatever you want. I mean, there's plenty of them. DistroKid. TuneCore, CD Baby, 
whatever. Like SoundCloud was uh, valuable when these things weren't available to normal people like us. But now these things are available, so there's really no excuse to put stuff on SoundCloud unless you're trying not to get hit with like, you know, uh, copyright stuff. Which then, or if you're doing a bunch of remixes, that's where SoundCloud is good for. Uh, otherwise, it's... I'm not listening to nothing. Unless somebody like I know or they send me a demo or something or like, you know, somebody I'm cool with, they throw the music up there, but... I'm not spending my time on, and even if if I like a song on there, I'm not replaying it on SoundCloud. I listen to it once and I'm done because I just, I'm not. It's inconvenient. Last thing I want to bring up um, is your take. We had this conversation off camera before. <clears throat> um, not it wasn't really a conversation. It was like a brief thing. Um, your opinion on writer's block. Um, what you have a, a... It's a myth. How is it a myth? It doesn't exist. How? If you have writer's block, you're just lazy. That's my opinion. So it's your opinion that writer's block... There's a, a wealth of things to be inspired by. I don't understand why anybody would have writer's block. But uh, So inspiration... How does that... I understand how inspiration can correlate to you wanting to write. But... We're talking about you can be inspired, but the words, the rhymes just don't come to then the you're lazy. How is that lazy? Because you can find the rhymes. You can rhyme stuff, but it might not sound good to you. Then keep working. That's lazy. So you've never been stuck. No, that's what writer's block is. You're stuck. You can't come up with something that sounds good. You can come. I can write some bars right now. And it won't, and they don't necessarily have to be good. And I keep thinking of something. This is what writer's block is to me. I don't. I never looked up a a real definition. Maybe you should read the definition. No, 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 no. This is what writer's Pull up block the definition. Is. This is. Can I, you let me finish talking? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you, because you literally have writer's block. You're stuck. You can't write. Okay. You're writer. You have writer's block. It is right. a block. But you're saying you can overcome that block. You're saying if you just work. That's what you're saying. If you just work hard. I'm saying the block doesn't exist. You're saying the block doesn't exist. Yeah, there's no overcoming it. It just doesn't exist. It's something made up. I think because you said before that you used to think hard and say, okay, you thought about something that you made up, right? You're you're coming up with lyrics and you're like, I'm not going to use that. But then Mm -hmm. you became more free with yourself and said, no, I am going to use this. See how it sounds. Do I have that right? Uh, I'm not quite sure what you're saying. When you're writing lyrics, when you're coming up with lyrics. Oh, you're talking about, I'm talking about like content. That was content wise. So when you get stuck, wait, 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 you never got stuck before. No. You never got stuck. You never no. said, you never thought, <laughs> you never had a beat. Well, you, you explained your, your process and you mumble stuff and you fill in the words. Yeah. I always have an idea. Mm-hmm. It's not an issue for me. That's why it's confusing to me that people think it's a thing. So maybe because it's not an issue for you, you think, think it's a myth. I think if anything I can do, anybody else can do. Why? Because I'm only human. We're all human. We all have the same resources. LeBron James could dunk, and he's very good at basketball. If he could do it, I can do it? Yeah. I can't. You could if you tried. I, if you weren't lazy, you could I, try. I can try. It. So it automatically equates to laziness. Is yes, this what you're you saying? can overcome anything if you put forth the effort. 
That's so, laziness. So, all right. Just because you say you can't, like, okay, you do it 50 times, I can't do it, then I just can't do it. No, you need to do it 50 more. And if that's not enough and you don't get it, then you don't really want it. Let me tell you this. And this is something, this is something that I've thought about, right? When it comes to rapping, and I don't, I used to rap, I, I said it in his, his cipher. I was nine years old when I first started to rap. I didn't have to study. I didn't have to sit down. And like you say, you studied rap, right? You had to, you had to study. Not like purposefully. But this, you said you studied. Consumed it. You studied to get to the point where you were at. I just worked harder. You worked I got harder. Better. You worked harder. I never I was really critical of myself. You're critical of yourself. Cool. You're critical. You worked. You are a student. I think about myself. I just rapped. I rap something. Uh, that's not. That's not that good. Write something. Uh, that's not that good. Come up with something that I think is appealing, and people back in the day thought I was good. Thought I was nice. What my point is? Do you get where I'm going? No, that's why I'm laughing. My point is, some people just do it and they're good at it. Mm -hmm. Some people have to work. Talent is obviously a factor. So you natural talent. So you, but this is the thing. You may have something in your brain. A part of your DNA. Stop denying it. No, I'm not. I'm shaking my head like I'm agreeing with you. Nah, you was kind of doing this. <laughs> Don't <laughs> interpret my shaking. I just saw you. <laughs> I'm looking at you. You may have something other people don't. Yeah. But you're saying if you can do it, anybody can do it. Yes. That's you how. Have... I, that's how. I, that's how highly I look at other people. You cat. <laughs> don't come. Don't come on this platform, capping. That's not cap. I want everybody to win. You do want everybody I'm, to I'm win. I'm here to uplift people. But not everybody's like you. No, they're not. Facts. So people have writer's block. Lazy. It's real. Fake. It's real. Fasudo. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Woody? Pseudo. <laughs> I said Fasudo. <laughs> so so I thought you were making up a new word. So that that's the message that you want to get across today on camera. That writer's block is a myth. It's not real. There was never a no, block it's there. Not real. You just need to work harder and yes. you will come up with something. Yes, absolutely. What does working harder mean? Write more. Even if you don't see the problem is like like you were saying, oh, it's not it's not uh this isn't good, so toss it away, whatever. I'm not getting to where I, that's part of the process. Keep writing. That's why writer's block is a myth. You're not gonna just gonna start shooting off fire bar maybe you'll have a couple you can start off writing or whatever and your inspiration for what you're writing is one line and it's one hot line so you build around that the point is it doesn't matter if it's hot or not you got to keep doing it that's where i'm saying it's lazy because it's like oh well this isn't uh, this isn't what i want so i give up i'm stuck that's lazy because not everything's going to be fire and not everything everybody has to hear that's the other thing too. Everybody thinks that everything they have to do, they have to have everybody hear it. And that's how they're judging themselves and their criteria. No, the process is you work through it. And if you're not doing that, that's lazy, in my opinion. That's why writer's block is a myth. And I don't look at writer's block that way. I look at it like somebody sitting down to a beat and they can't come up with anything to a beat. 
Not that you're already starting writing and you don't like what you have. I don't consider that writer's block because you're still writing. I look at writer's block like you have a, a beat or a song. You don't know how to fit into that. All right. I want to clear something up because that's not what I think writer's block is. Um, like you write something and you don't like it. That's a part. Of, yeah, that's a part of the process. And I do want to say that I agree. I see where you're coming from and I do not disagree with what you're saying. Like I actually think that is good advice. That is great advice. It's it's basically don't give up. Like don't don't give up. Just keep going. Just keep writing. Yeah, you don't I, have to like everything you do. I respect that. Listen, I respect that. I, I respect it. I agree with it. But a part of writer's block is an emotional aspect. It's like a, a emotional meaning because I've been there. This is the thing. I'm speaking from experience. So I'm like, okay, I got something. I got a beat that I like because I think if you look, hear something and you're like, you don't see where you fit in, you just may not be feeling it, in my opinion. Like, uh or you might like something and and you can't see yourself fitting in or I, I, I don't know but some people have styles but my point is uh, before I sidetrack myself the emotional aspect to writer's block is you're trying you're trying and it's like why can't I come up with like why can't nothing I say like it's not making sense it's like you have a beat you have something and you're like nothing's coming to you not, literally nothing is coming to you. You know how to flow. You know how to, you can even think of how you're going to start, even with a flow. Like, do the mumbling thing, but nothing is coming to you. This is writer's block. This is what I've experienced in the past. Well, I would say to that, you need to ask yourself, why can't I come up with something? What's stopping me? There's no explanation. There's always an explanation. What criteria are you putting on yourself that you can't get past whatever you're trying to do? These are questions these people have to... I don't have that problem. So if you have that problem, ask yourself that, in my opinion, respectfully. <laughs> I, you, by the way, I hate this whole respectfully trend. Yeah, I'm New York. This is New York. I'm pretty sure New York started it. That's the thing. Shout Pittsburgh to the Bronx. Pittsburgh is the last to get every Brooklyn. trend. So I'm just Brooklyn. letting you know. Pittsburgh is the very last, one of the last big cities, big cities to get any trends. They they started, city. they started wearing true religions when I came back from Georgia. Like, what? The true? Y'all just started wearing trues in polo? But anyway, respectfully. Go ahead. Respectfully. I finished. Okay. Respectfully? Respectfully. Respectfully? Respectfully. I'm that, done. <laughs> all right. So um, I, I don't think we're going to get anywhere else with this conversation. No, because you just want to battle me. No. I, no. I'm <laughs> That's the thing. I'm not trying to battle you because you've enlightened me. That's the thing. We're having a conversation. I think this is a productive conversation where um, because you are don't you you look like the Ram I do. That's what they told you. That's what they tell me. And and you, too, from uh, Mr. Robot. I don't know what this movie what this TV show is called, but I was going to say you're a robot and you're and you look like somebody who plays a robot. I'm a machine. You are a machine. I'm an alien. You you, you're something. I'm otherworldly. Honestly, like I'm I'm enlightened because. I'm, like I said, we, this was a conversation that I wanted to have some hot takes, so to speak. Not really the SoundCloud. Like I wanted to know about the SoundCloud thing and the. But like you agree with the SoundCloud thing. That's the thing you didn't say. Yeah, like yeah, that's like, your take too. It's not like it's my like I'm uh, out 
out on a ledge by myself. But yeah, but more so the SoundCloud thing is because I think it's a dying platform. It's not like if you don't want to spend money and at a certain point you can only upload so many minutes it's to SoundCloud. Annoying. Because I the, these stupid ads. That's my biggest issue with it. The Cool Hand podcast started on SoundCloud, as you know, and then I I started putting stuff out on SoundCloud. Yeah. And that's but that was before there was no option to do anything else. Before it died, yeah. Yeah, well, it's time to throw away the diapers and put on some real undies. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it it is not. It's not accessible. It's not. I'm not even. It's not even user friendly, in my opinion. It's not. It's It's terrible. You can't make like you can't line up songs. You can't have like, oh, I want to listen to this song from this one album, and then I'm going to put this other song on there. You can't do that. Like, it's it's stupid. The interface is dumb. Yeah, it's 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 horrible. It's a it's a it's a dead platform. I'm not even gonna say dying. Like it's dead. It was about to shut down. Then Chance the Rapper resurrected it with a tweet for some weird reason. If y'all remember that, if you're if anybody's tuned in enough to remember that, but um, I just wanted to get your opinion. Like yeah, the SoundCloud thing. Like yeah, I do have an opinion on it, but I'm here to talk to you about your your take. Like I I don't I don't like SoundCloud. I have the app downloaded, taking up space on my phone for people who use soundcloud out of respect for them yeah I, because i i there's people that i like who use soundcloud and i'm gonna listen to their stuff yeah but but, I but don't i'm only like listening it. to it once sorry even if the song's great i'm only listening to it once because i hate soundcloud that's true and the in the in the sad part is um i don't want to listen to stuff like i don't want to go out of my way it's not accessible but this isn't about me i do agree with you on soundcloud but i just wanted to because we do know people who use soundcloud and stuff like that just wanted to get your take on that um i have apple music and spotify and it's more convenient to use both of those than it is to ever use soundcloud (laughs) that's how trash soundcloud is use two apps that have the same exact songs on them throughout the board and i'll still use both of those before i use soundcloud to listen to music moving on thank you all right crowded places brought a very special gift um we were we were having expensive taste on these last two podcasts last one we had the henny xo um aged for maybe like eight to ten years today he he popped up with he had the one up me he saw that I had a drink, and he had to bring bring one that that might even be better. I'm not competitive. I don't know what he's talking about. You want? I, I did this because I respect him so much in his household. You took it to the next level. This is a gift. He got Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades, everybody. Um, <clears throat> look at him advertising it. So w- I can finally say that we were sipping out of gold bottles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, w- do you want to do the honors? You want to pour us up? Yeah, I got you. <clears throat> We're doing what these boys pretend they could do. This cat brought Ace of Spades. I'm like, yo, why would you do something like this? Why would you buy this? Why not? Th- th- well, this is a true story. I'm like, dog, what is this cat buying Ace of Spades for? We gotta be, uh... He wants to go to them Rock Nation brunches. I am Rock Nation. You're Megan the Stallion. <laughs> can't use too much because i'm gonna save some for my family i thought we were your family my blood i thought we you're my spiritual family what do you think <clears throat> i 
Hold on. Hey, yo, Jay. Now Jay Z sold his stock in Ace of Spades and all that. He sold it to um. Oh, so it's not it's not part of him anymore. It's not even he sold he sold it for a lot of money. Yo Jay. Now Jay Z listens to the Cool Hand podcast. <clears throat> so, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, no. I'm still formulating my thoughts. I was gonna like riff until I caught what I wanted to say. You go. <clears throat> I don't drink champagne every day. I'm I'm a, I'm gonna make that clear. But I'll tell you this. <clears throat> when I sip a cognac, I know the difference between cognacs. Now, I done had champagne on a few occasions. Had mimosas, had champagne by itself. And I don't know what's special about this. <clears throat> so uh Maybe you can um, counter this. I think uh, the more expensive alcohol gets, obviously the better quality the um, ingredients they're using. Um, I don't necessarily think it attributes to taste. I think uh, when I drink this, uh, like I'm not a big champagne person, but I know usually when I drink champagne, uh, it doesn't always feel like clean. You know what I mean? Like cheaper alcohols don't taste clean. <clears throat> this tastes clean. Like I feel like it's pure, like I'm drinking purified bubbly water. Like it tastes like regular champagne, but it's very clean. Like I feel like I can safely drink this and not have a headache. And I feel like the more expensive alcohol gets, that's usually how it goes. <clears throat> It, it 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 tastes cleaner, like I feel like there's less like dirt and unnecessary stuff in it. You know, you drink like a real cheap vodka, and it's spicy. It's real spicy. But if you drink a good vodka, it's smooth. <clears throat> so I think maybe the price attributes to the uh, to the smoothness of this, because I mean, it, it feels like I feel like I'm drinking like a good feeling wise. It drinks like a good glass of water. But it doesn't taste like water, obviously. It tastes like champagne. It tastes like every other champagne. What are your thoughts on that? I'm glad you bought it. Because I would have been mad. I don't care. My, po- my point... <laughs> but no, you didn't address anything I said. No, that, that was my response. No, but I'm talking about more expensive alcohol. Doesn't it taste cleaner? Yes. Crowd of Places, album of the year. Hashtag A-L-T-Y. Hashtag album of the year. <clears throat> I want to talk about the album, the concept. Pardon me. Okay, you're in your bag now. I can sense this. Let's go. <laughs> no. Welcome floating. To, welcome to the Cool Hand Podcast. I want to talk about your album, the concept. a flex. <laughs> welcome to the Cool Hand Podcast. I want to talk about your album, the concept um i want to get now this is time for the deep dive of the album of leave it as it is not how it was um i want to talk about each song um and you can give as much information as you want on it uh please elaborate please talk Mm -hmm. um but what was the concept behind leave it as it is not how it was um well like i explained in part one 
excuse me, the bubbly. Facts. It's, it's uh, get, hitting my digestive system, so excuse the burps. Uh, like I explained in part one, the idea behind the album is basically like me uh, going through... Um, basically like basically like coming into adulthood and uh realizing all the changes that come with that whether it's your peer group uh or your your own mentality uh your lifestyle um external factors maybe events that happen in the world all these things that you may not have uh specifically been prepared for and uh just kind of like working through it all um but at the core of it is like uh a a person's desire for control and wanting things to go their way or be the way that they used to be even though they'll never be that way anymore so that's that's like a, a general summary of uh of the album and kind of like uh how it can be a problem how quickly things can go wrong if you hold on to the past for too long and and you don't learn to kind of move move along so leave it as it is not how it was yeah was that always the album title um i actually had a couple different album titles um i had like four or five of them um and actually (laughs) there's this uh in movies they um when they're filming a movie they have like a a fake title for the movie while they're filming it uh and i had that while i was working on my album i had like a fake title uh for the album which i knew wasn't always going to be the title but it was kind of like that's how i was working with um worth with it so like the the fake title was i miss my brown bogues my I miss my brown. I don't even know how to pronounce brogues, brogs. I know what you're talking yeah, about. I, yeah, I miss my brown brogs that I lost in Berlin. That was the working title of the album while I was recording and doing all that stuff. <clears throat> I knew it wasn't always going to be the final album title, but I always liked it. Uh, but that's just kind of like uh, it, it was just more of like a, a mindset for me, because um, that's a true story. I I uh, I went to Berlin. I got on a bus and I had these brown boot, brogue boots, and they were so fire. I loved them because I could wear them casually and I could wear them to the meeting and they would look good in both situations. And they were like the perfect fit and the perfect like uh, design and everything. They didn't look cheap or nothing. And uh, I got on a bus to Berlin, put my bag underneath the bus, left the bus when I got off into Berlin never grabbed my bag was gone all my clothes lost them and and so the reason why that was the working title was because even now i'm still salty about those boots i can't let them go like those were were one of my favorite boots dang and i've i've been i've even been trying to like find replacements for them there's no replacements so that's like that's the whole idea of the album in one thing is that so that's why i was working with that um but like i had a bunch of other titles 
that I did, which were kind of like variations of the actual title. Um, <clears throat> you gave me COVID. <laughs> I wasn't coughing before. You're welcome. So other variations. Can you reveal that? Um, I can check my notes. I, I don't know if I'm going to use. Because um, I miss my brown brogues that I... Brogs. I think brogs is probably the way to say it. It sounds more French. I don't even know if that's a French term. Um, let me look. Well, while you're doing that, I just uh, uh, want to continue on if you can uh, search and talk at the same time. Yeah, I, I got it. Um, so... I miss my brown brogs that I lost in Berlin. Just a piece of junk amongst a bunch of antiques. Be honest with me. Don't waste my, my time or your time. That's way too wordy. Laissez-faire. Leave it as it is, not how it was. Leave it as it is, not how you want it. So, obviously, all the other titles don't really <clears throat> pop as much as leave it as it is, not how it was. Got you. Mm -hmm. So, you came <clears throat> up with the album and... Leading up to this, you dropped your EP, you dropped Onset, which is from 2016. Um, what did what did you imagine your first album being like? Because I know you, and I know that you work on multiple things at the same time. Was this something that you would have expected to be? Like, this is my first album. This is the concept that I want to have putting out. No, I uh, <clears throat> I was working on a completely different album before I started this one and I touched on this on part one as well. Um, I kind of put that album to the side cause I didn't really have the abilities to finish that the way I wanted to. And this one was kind of more of like a brighter direction and a more um, relevant to what I was going through at the moment. So um, as the music started to get, get made, I realized it was a different album than what I was working on. So I kind of just like, rode that rode that energy into actually finishing this so what i was working on prior was my idea like i was going to come out the gate with like this big like kind of like epic like not epic as in the term that it's used but like epic as in like storytelling epic like you know like a um you know what i mean <clears throat> Um, so it was going to be like a, a big, a big thing, but obviously I didn't have the skills or the resources to do that. So I let it fall to the, to the side and I, I pursued this one. Now we talked about the concept a little earlier. Now, um, me being a podcaster, um, and you being in the industry, whoa, um, industry, there's, you know, word gets around, right? And uh, I don't want to I'm not going to reveal my sources, but there was something that I was hearing about um, how the concept or the album relates to Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, the um, there's a lot about uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. That uh, with the movie itself and how the movie was received that uh kind of like um correlates with my idea for the album so you you've seen the movie the last jedi right which one is that that is the second one of the new ones with uh kylo ren 
and Luke comes back and he's old and grumpy and blah blah blah. You remember all that? <clears throat> That's the one where they first find Luke Skywalker and he's training Shorty. Yes. How to be? And he, yeah, and he was like the Jedi need to be no more. Yes. He's like there, it didn't work, so it yeah. needs to stop. <clears throat> so when that, well, first of all. Out of those three movies, that one is the best one. Out of those new, of the new sequel Star Wars movies, that's the best one. Easily. And it got the most hate. Like, critics love that movie, but fans hated that movie. And you know why fans hated that movie? Because they were afraid of change. They couldn't handle change. And that's my beef with it. I loved it for the fact that it flipped everything on its head. Now, go back to the Star Wars before that, Force Awakens. That was a good movie because people, before that movie came out, people were watching the prequels and the fans destroyed the prequels because they were, the acting wasn't the best. It wasn't good for the most part. It was too much CGI or whatever. It was too political, all this stuff, right? So... The creator of the, those movies, he got a lot of flack for it. Companies and corporations, they got involved, whatever. Disney bought Star Wars. Um, but all these people realized that the fan backlash was strong. And Star Wars fans are very vocal uh, and they're very, like, abusive. Um, so, you know, corporations, if they're appealing to uh, the fans, they take in, they take these things into account. And for years and years, I don't even know what the time difference was between when The Force Awakens came out and Revenge of the Sith. Um, but it was a long period of time. Long enough for fans to accept a new Star Wars movie. <clears throat> but uh, So Disney had Star Wars at this point. So they had to, uh, they had to make a decision to regain the love that the fans had for the movies. Right. So they started doing things that the old movies did in order to make Force Awakens. So they used more practical stuff, less CGI, a lot more. Uh, um, what's the word? A lot more nostalgia baiting. Uh, so they threw in, you know, the Millennium Falcon, brought back the original cast. Right. And like I said, the movie was good. But the problem with that movie is it was appealing to the fans way too much and it was doing too much of what Star Wars already did. It was pretty much like a rehash of A New Hope, the storyline as far as it goes. Like it introduced some interesting characters. It had a lot of good setups. Finn had a good setup, you know, you're expecting him. He came through and he was like, you know, throwing down with the lightsaber a little bit. And that was like really cool. And as somebody who wasn't like the, I, I uh, grew up with the prequels. I mean, I grew up with the original movies, but the prequels, I, re I realized them in real time. So, like, that was more part of my childhood. So, I was a little bit more, I was a little less harsh about them, but I always recognized they weren't as great as the original movies. Anyways, uh, the nostalgia baiting, all that stuff um, in The Force Awakens. And I'll get to my point, but I, all this is, is relevant to it. <clears throat> so, the first movie did a good job of balancing the old with the new and they got all the fans back on board with that movie and generally people liked it in the moment uh going back a lot of people 
kind of criticizes it a little bit more. When I first watched the movie, I liked it, but I did not like rehashing of old ideas. I don't like that. Star Wars, to me, when I watch Star to me, Star Wars is critical to me in my imagination as a child. Like that is one of those things that formulated me and made me want to be creative. Those movies are critical to that. So when I was watching those movies, even the prequels, I was seeing things I never saw before, you know? And so for me, I always looked at Star Wars as doing things different and doing things new, even though even the original movies, they borrowed some stuff from like old, you know, everybody has their inspirations, but you take your inspiration and you have your, you create your own identity with it. And that's what George Lucas did. And I felt like even besides all of that, he always pursued his vision, which is respectable, even if people didn't like it. Um, so anyways, going back to The Force Awakens, I always had a problem with it because it it did stuff that Star Wars already did. They brought back another type Death Star type thing. And it's like the old movies already had two Death Stars. You bring back another Death Star. Um, they brought back an Emperor type character with Snoke. And then you had Kylo, who was like another Darth Vader type. So we're rehashing the same stuff, right? And... The movie was a good movie, but I, the, those stuff bothered me. Fast forward to The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi was like, okay, you did all this stuff. I'm going to throw it all away. And that's what made me love that movie. Because it's like, okay, you guys are losing sight of what these movies are about. And we're going to throw away all the unoriginal stuff, the stuff that's been done already. We're going to toss it to the side. And even they had like some nostalgia um, stuff in that movie too. But they did it in a way where it was like, um, it was subtle. It wasn't like in your face, like, oh, here's this that from the old movie or whatever, you know. But they did like little uh, subtle callbacks or whatever. Um, but anyways, I love that. They, spoilers, they killed Snoke. That was hard. To me, that was hard. When that part came on, I'm like, okay, this is my movie. When Kylo, because you didn't know what was going on in that point. And Kylo, yeah. you didn't, yeah, you you weren't you weren't seeing that because it's like the setup prior to that was all this predictable stuff with the previous movie. You knew where that movie was going. You kind of expected Han Solo to die, like somebody had to die. Um, but in that movie, when that happened, I was like, okay, they're flipping the script and they're going in their own direction now. This feels like Star Wars to me, right? So, and even. Part of that, so going back to how it relates to my um, album, uh, Kylo, when he was talking to Ray after they did that and they got busy, and he was, after that, he was like, it all needs to end. You know, the Jedi, the Sith, all this stuff, it needs to end. He was it's, a nut. Yeah, he's yeah. like, it's time to let go. Like, you keep holding on to the past. She's trying to look for her parents. It's time to move forward. You know, you're looking to Han Solo, to this person to Luke to try to find it. it you got to forget all that you're so concerned about your parents your parents are nobodies that was hard to me too because it's like not every ha everything has to be Skywalker you know what I mean like she's her own character let her do her own thing and it's like get rid of all that let's move forward and let's do something different do something new and even the stuff with Luke um which was cool he was like you know something has to change and it's like uh Anyways, I say all that because the fans... So the movie itself is talking about, hey, 
it, it's time to let go. We need to move forward. Stop holding on to all the stuff that was in the past. That's what the movie is saying. And you need to learn from that stuff. And even like Yoda was dropping bars in that movie. He was talking about failure when he was talking to Luke. That scene was hard too. Um, and that's like, like life lesson stuff. That's that to me, that's cool. But anyways, um, so the movie's talking about all this stuff about change and then the fans slaughtered that movie because it was too radical for them. They're like, this isn't my Luke Skywalker. Why is all this stuff changing? This None of this stuff makes sense. Why are they doing this? Or are they doing that? Now, if people want to criticize Finn in that movie, they really dropped a ball on that. If they want to criticize his whole storyline when they were at that casino, I, I get it. That was weak. But everything else was hard. I don't care what anybody says. That's one of the best Star Wars movies. But the fans reacted to it poorly because it wasn't what they recognized. But that's not in the spirit of what I saw these movies to be as things that were pushing things forward and changing things. Um, so how does that relate to my album, you may be asking? I think you already have the answer. Because people hold on to stuff way too much that if you get so obsessed with how things were and you don't want things to move forward, then you get stuck. And you know what happens? You get crap movies like the, what was that last one called? Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Was it Rise yeah, of Skywalker? Yeah, something like that. That movie was terrible because they reacted to the fans' reactions. That movie was so bad. They went overboard with nostalgia. It was, it was so, it was like a slap in the face, that movie. Cause it's like it's like somebody talking dumb to you. It's like, yeah, I know I'm watching a Star Wars movie. Stop reminding me every five seconds it's a Star Wars movie. But that's the that's the issue with people when they can't let things be. Things always have to be the way you want them to be. Things always have to be how they used to be, how you think they should be. Let things be how they are and see what happens. If they would have let the, those movies progress the way they would have, the third one would have been fired. But they had they were doing all this stuff to appeal to the fans. And I get it. It's a corporation. They make money. Right? So you have all you make a movie in uh The Last Jedi made Jedi made a lot of money. But if you're looking at the fan reactions and everybody's destroying that movie because it's not their Luke Skywalker and well, why is this movie this way and blah 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 and all this stupid stuff, you know, because they were expecting Luke to come back and start throwing down. The dude's old. What is he going to throw down for? You know what I mean? They're mad about that. What is, how is he going to throw down? He's old. Um, They were mad because he's bitter. This isn't the way Luke Skywalker was. How? If you look at the old movies, right? You saw the old movies. Bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. But you know the character of Luke, right? Yeah. He never listened. He never really listened. People told him, hey, don't do this, don't do that. And he still did what he wanted, right? He always had a problem with like running ahead. So it makes sense in this movie that he ran ahead. He thought Kylo was about to turn evil. So he ran ahead and he was like, I have to act on this. And people say, well, he, he progressed. At the end of the movie, he, he had faith in Vader and blah, 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 or whatever. How many people out there have completely stopped fighting whatever issues that are deeply ingrained in them. Nobody. If an issue is deeply ingrained in you as a human being, you can overcome it, but you're always going to be fighting with that kind of issue. 
so I look at it like that way and I'm like, Luke always had an issue, always will have an issue with running ahead and not thinking <laughs> things through clearly, in my opinion. Other fans look at him as some kind of hero and he's just going to completely accomplish and he's just going to be, you know, Omega level and, you know, nothing's going to phase him. He's just always going to look at the good in everybody. That, that's not human to me. That's why I like the movie because it felt human. You know, I expect 30 years from now that I'm probably going to be having the same struggles if we're still in the system. I'm probably going to be having the same struggles that I'm having today that are deeply ingrained with me. That's just how I look at it. But th that's a, another tangent. But you get the whole point of what I'm saying. <laughs> All the Luke stuff is accessory. <clears throat> now I got my nerd hat on. But, um, yeah, so the whole point of what I'm saying is the reactionary effects of not accepting change can lead you down to a way worse path, a rise of Skywalker path. Finn was a goofy. He was a waste. Thank you for, for sharing that. I've been waiting. I was waiting for a break <laughs> so I can. <laughs> yeah, they turned Finn to a goofy. I have my bobblehead over there. I bought that one the whole. The first movie, it was like, oh, this dude's about to go crazy in the second movie. And they dropped the ball. They, they. Big time. They, um, now society, I'm not going to use the word that I want to say. They diminished his character. And as you were speaking, now this is unrelated to your album, but when you're talking about how people were complaining and this and that, I wonder if his character being um, minimized to another Han Solo was because of the fan reaction. I think everybody was pretty receptive to him in the first one. Because they, they marketed him as a Jedi. Yeah. Like he's he had a lightsaber a light... in the posters, the posters and everything. And he ended up with a, with a gat. Like yeah. he, he ended up with a little gun. So, so I guess what I'm saying is off. You know this way better than I do. But I've seen comments online and stuff about Finn. I'm not all in the Star Wars community, but that's one bone that I had to pick just as a, a guest in the Star Wars culture and mm -hmm. also comments that I saw. Like, why did dude have a lightsaber? Wow. But yeah, anyway. they kind of uh, like use it as a promo thing to trick people. Yeah, he's a clown. Well, he's not a clown. But um, yeah, that was, that was whack. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, that was like, you know, it's kind of like an industry secret, an industry myth that was industry rumor that was floating around about your <laughs> album. I don't know if somebody close to you leaked that information, but it's out yeah. there. You should watch your circle before they hurt you. But um, I, I just remember watching that movie and the reaction to it and uh, it kind of like fueling my ideas behind the album. And that's just a life thing, you know. A lot of people get stuck because they just can't accept change. And I say that from experience. That's why I wrote the album the way I did. I was processing through accepting the fact that things are different and they're going to be different when you get older. That's a fact. We hear the same things. I think I mentioned this in the first part. Mm. Mind you, we're, we're doing part one and part two of this interview within a, a week of each other. It's been a long week. I, I may have forgotten some things that we talked about. But um, how we hear the old heads say how things will change when we get older. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm this age and I ain't seen it yet. They never told but, us that. I've never been told that. You ain't never been told certain things was going to happen? No. Or, or not certain things was going to happen, but you hear the same story. 
you hear the same story about people and their friend groups and this and that. And no, oh, I heard, I heard. I saw, like I, I said it last time. These are things that are all around you. You see, but nobody's like nobody. I've never been warned about it. So, so the album is basically an extreme look at everything I just talked about. Um, you know, I uh, basically just asked myself, okay, what if, what if somebody took their desire for things to be the way that they used to be, their desire for control too far? Could they destroy their own reality to the fact where they can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not? It's kind of deep. Um, I love extremes. If you can't tell by, you know, how I react to things, it's either trash or it's goat. I'm glad you, <laughs> I'm glad you said it. But I like it in creative senses too. So it's like, okay, how, how far would it, you know, if somebody took it too far, could they actually break their perception of reality? So that's basically what the album does. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> now, how long would you say this album has been in the making? If you were to give an estimate. I mean, probably like consciously the past two and a half years, three years. Um, but some of the songs, I think the oldest song is probably like four, maybe five years old. Probably four. How long has the idea been in process to give people a better Probably in the past, like I said, the past two, so two, three years. So the actual, all right, just to be clear, and this, now this is for me, for the, this is for my own clarity. So the coming to the realization, you're working on another project and you're thinking, okay, what I got going on right now is a totally different direction. That's what I'm going to work on. Mm -hmm. That's two and a half years, two, two and a half years. I would say rough estimate. Yeah. Gotcha. So two, two and a half years in the making on this project, um, because that's another thing that I want to talk about in regards to the album is the work that is put into it. Um, we always get the output of everything mm -hmm. when we consume music, food, whatever. We get the output, but we don't know what is behind it. Mm -hmm. um, if you can explain your experience with the work that you had to put into um, just a general overview of the work that's put in. And I might ask you some specific questions. For example, we heard a choir. Um, for example, in the documentary, we saw string players. Mm -hmm. um, and they just don't pop up out of nowhere and start playing strings. You have to find them. You have to contact them, things like that. So just a general overview of the work uh, that you can give insight to. Um, general overview, uh, I would just work on songs until I felt like they were right. Um, <clears throat> it was a slow process. I, I took my time with it. Um, if something didn't feel right, you know, I would set it to the side, um, uh, and, you know, come back to it later. There were certain songs where I always knew like this is an album song. 
um, once I came to like the idea of the concept, then I started fitting things around it. Uh, I would listen back to old songs and then be like, oh yeah, this song fits um, into that vibe. Um, I always wanted, I love the violin and the cello. Uh, strings are my, you know, those instruments that are in the string family are easily my favorite out of all instruments. Um, so it was just always something that I, you know, and that goes back to my love for film and, you know, um, the influence of Kid Cudi and Kanye because they had the, the the orchestra stuff in their albums. And I always loved that, you know, it was like the, the merge of the cinematic and the, you know, the, the uh, songwriting stuff. So that was always something that I wanted to do. And like I said before, I didn't, the pandemic really made it a reality because I was able to actually find people who could do these things um, for me. You explained your process in part one, I believe, and you talk about how you start with like, uh, I'm paraphrasing, like a hook and like the lyrics don't always come first. Um, Taking things through the process of one song, how many changes does a song see? Um, Because I mentioned in my reaction video that I heard the album. Um, mm. when it was incomplete, all the songs were finished. Um, but what I listened to in the car wasn't what I heard when it was released. So what type of changes do songs go through when they're air quotes finished? A lot. Um, there's, a several, ver- like probably most of the songs on the album, didn't sound the way they don't sound the way they did when I first started them. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I really like to do is uh, once I get vocals down that I like, um, usually I have to bring the production up to match the quality of um, whatever I'm doing, whether it's singing or, or rapping or whatever. And then it's just kind of like a push and pull between the two so like if i have an an idea of a beat then i'll put out my um my ideas for the lyrics i'll finish the lyrics sometimes i mean this is sometimes i finish the lyrics and then go back and work on the beat to match up to the level of the lyrics and then it's like okay well now the beat's elevated maybe i should re-record this or do this over so it's just a constant uh push and pull with that um most of the time so none of this most of the songs don't really finish the way that they started yeah all right um i think you'll be able to elaborate more on some of the changes that certain songs went through uh when we talk about them yeah so uh let's talk about the songs but right before we do that um one thing that uh, we don't want to leave out is the interesting artwork now when you release the artwork Mm. Mm -hmm. um I'm like, okay, leave it as it is, not how it was. Um, Based off the past, you had, uh, you were coming off the Somewhere Soon era where we had the legendary artwork by Victoria and with the the paper plane and the the bright colors. Crazy. Um, Yeah, it's classic artwork. You know, it's a staple in the crowded places uh, 
discography. Um, in any discography. In any discography. In the world, matter of fact. Seriously, that's some of the best artwork I've ever seen on any album. It's crazy. And the story behind it is even better. You know what I mean? Like yeah. her just drawing it and then scanning it in, I think. So, um, yeah, so you're coming off of that. And then, okay, leave it as it is, not how it was. Now, this is Crowded Places we're talking about. This is uh, somebody who always goes above and beyond. Like, you know, you somebody who's dropping merch, like era merch. Like, you can't get the Somewhere Soon merch today like you got that for a specific time period somebody who's who's gone out and getting uh you know outside help from professionals on your music and things like this this is somebody who goes above and beyond now when i'm hearing about you know documentary you're dropping a documentary you're doing this and that and then the 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 artwork drops and i thought huh <laughs> i'm I, I know that there's a significance to it because I know you, but I don't know what the significance is. I see a cool picture. Mm-hmm. What's up? Uh, so for me, I always have an idea of how I want things to be, but I am always open and I always leave room for mistakes to happen or things to come by accident. Like I'm not too set on my ideas or my vision uh, that it always has to end that way. Probably some of the best things come from just messing up or making mistakes um, or, you know, pushing yourself a little bit further beyond how you think you should do things. Anyways, the artwork to me was a mistake. It came about that way, and that's why I used it for the album cover. Um, so I was getting into film photography. I had a roll of film, and I think it was when we hung out. It was one time when we hung out, and I brought my camera to uh, get some pictures. I didn't know the roll of film was already loaded in there, so I opened it and uh, exposed the film. Um, so I ruined those images. Um, but I got them developed. Um, and I, cause I didn't even remember that I shot those pictures. So I was at the park and I was in my car, shot a pi picture of a bike rider and ruined it. Um, so I, when I got the film developed, I looked, I was looking through the photos and I just looked at that one and I'm like, this fits the album because it was a mistake because I didn't mean um, to ruin it, but I liked the way it looked. And it also was significant to me just by looking at it because uh, if you look closely, there's a um, no left turn sign in there. Uh, and to me, that kind of like is uh, significant on some of the ideas about the album and how like, you know, you know, the term you don't go left. That means you're going in the wrong direction. Uh, so I like that that's in there. It kind of is like, um, uh, relevant to the music and how the music is basically like somebody going left. Like the lesson you learn from the album is in the artwork. 
and the artwork is also not edited besides the fact that I cropped it. But like there's no color correction, nothing, because I just wanted to leave it as it is, not how it was. Um, and that's why it perfectly represents the album for me. Um, because how it was in, in real life, it was a it was a cool shot. And you had a bike rider on there and everything, but he got washed out. Um, so if you look at it the way it was, it's like, oh, it could have been better than what it is, but it is what it is. I messed up the film role, so that's what it is. And it's now more significant because of what it represents and what it shows. So that's why I went with that artwork. And to be honest, I had a lot of pressure on myself because I'm like, man, how am I going to follow up with the artwork for summer soon? Like, how am I going to follow up with that? Or even just the uh, the artwork for the singles, you know, how am I going to follow up with these, you know, by these artists that um, actually know what they're doing? You know what I mean? Um, and to me, that 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 picture, I just stumbled across it. It wasn't even like on my radar or what I was intending to do, but it just perfectly fit everything that the album was about. All right, so let's talk about uh, the individual song. So, um, Keys. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> the, the floor was yours. Uh, I thought you were going to ask a question. No, like, uh, the, the, it's you break down keys like what is the the story behind keys now we have the general concept of the album but each song has its own personality in its own place yeah so i'm gonna uh flip it back to you what is your impression of keys i'm asking the questions your impression will determine my response all right so, all right so when i first heard it in the car and even afterwards my opinion stayed pretty much constant mm -hmm. but my impression see that's the thing i'm about to critique it rather than give my impression what's your idea of the song i don't have an idea so you don't know what it's about no like there's i would have to listen to it and that's the thing listening to something actively and mm. you hear something the repetitiveness and then you remember some things like hip-hop's bestie mix of a trap called quest meets yeah a quest love and tyreek um, but the thing is, I remember moments, right? I remember when the, when the beat switches, that's when I feel like I really like the song beforehand. It's just like, uh, you know, a hip hop song, you know, easy. But when the tempo changes, when everything changes, that's when I really, 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 that's what keeps me coming back. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like the first part of the song, um, <clears throat> Is uh, hold on, this dude really tried to reverse. Uno <laughs> I want to please don't do that on this show. People have done that, and I I'm, not everybody's me. What did you think of that, dog? I asked you, no, here's a, like I'm not asking you that, like, oh, I want you to give me your opinion of the song. I don't care about your opinion of the song, I'm asking you that of your impression, like what idea you got from it, so I know where to go, you know, with what I'm gonna say. I'm not, I'm not looking for compliments when I when I'm asking that. It was the best song in the world. Even if you said that, I wouldn't care. Because that's it. not what I'm looking for. Uh, I, I'm not... Don't compare me to them. They know who they are. <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, to me, I the song, I think it's... Uh, for me, I like um, paying respect to 
where you came from and what how you are so to me that the first part of that song is my ode to hip-hop you know i feel like uh most rappers in the game they have that song where it's like this is my viewpoint of hip-hop and how hip-hop got me to this point or whatever so that's what that song is you know mix of a tribe called quest love and tariq you know uh spawn of a trip hop dawn i'm not flexing it's also establishing establishing my ten thousand hours pretty much you know everybody knows that corny saying you put in ten thousand hours you mastered something that's what they say or whatever but that the whole point of the beginning of that song is to give an ode to hip-hop um to show my love for it and that it is really the basis of all my even if i'm doing indie music hip-hop's still the basis of what i'm doing because that's where my love for music started um but uh it's that and also the fact that i'm establishing that i know how to do this and i've put in enough hours where i can do it pretty good pretty well so that's what that song is so what comes with that is you got the the bravado the you know the flexing or whatever um i am not a guest i'm a veteran at espies i'm not here like as a guest i've i'm established at this point even though this is my first album in my mind i'm already established so with that the bravado and everything comes the arrogance right so it's like okay the journey of the song is like oh i'm big man my you know i'm puffing up my chest or whatever then you get into real life which is the second part of the song you get into real life and how that bravado or whatever plays into your real life and how you start to look at things differently in your real life you know so that's where the second part of the song comes in but it's also the the realization of you know other people can get that um false sense of uh you know uh false sense of comfortability in you know what they think they can or can't do and that's what the second part of the song is and then you start looking at other people in a different way and um and you start putting yourself in environments that aren't conducive of humble qualities more conducive of uh, feeling yourself and you know getting uh too caught up in your own idea of how things should be and how you perceive them most of the times when you're in that heightened state of uh, i'm the man you're not seeing things clearly so i it was like a a, a mixture of giving my ode to hip-hop and also using that as a way to transition into the uh, pinnacle of somebody hitting the wall or the buildup of going towards the wall and what comes into that. So, like, you can break down the lyrics specifically and see the context of all that, but that's just the general statement of it. Thank you. Now, before moving on, now I do watch interviews on like uh, YouTube, my main source of watching interviews. And a lot of time these young kids, now you're not young, um, you're young, but you're not like a kid. Um, they're, they're, they're in the comments, it could say, oh, them perks got them bugging. Um, why do they say that? They're like, or those, those, those perks are kicking his butt. They're saying that because the person is moving around a lot, you know. And looking at all sorts <laughs> of different, 
all sorts of different directions. Sorry. Um, <laughs> now, you are hip hop's bestie, right? So you know. You how, cannot test me. Well, you're testing that microphone. Try to test me. And you're moving around a lot. You have headphones on too. <laughs> I can hear myself. So you can hear yourself. Yes. When you come back here. Sorry, I'll project my voice because you're talking. You're talking on the side of the mic. All right. You want me to be stiff? No, but I just don't want people to think that the perks. I don't care what people think. Yeah, imagine this is me. Perks. I'm think. This is how I think. I have to move to think. I'm just t- t- telling you to be mic conscious. Thank you, Charlemagne. Sorry, I'll talk into the mic more. Does that satisfy you, See, we got a podcaster? Smart guy here. So, thank you for talking <laughs> about keys. Yes. Um, uh, and then the next song that we have, uh, which was part of Oh, the- uh, can I go back to keys real quick? Yes. Um, so, uh, mix of a tribe called Questlove and Tariq, spawn of a trip hop dawn, the same flexing. Um, I, I'm saying all that just because these are like the things that pretty much like represent me. The trip hop thing is a is a shout out to the fact that my dad is into trip hop. Most people probably wouldn't get that. That's just like a thing for me to get. But that's why that is there. And Tyreek is the name of Black Thought, who is the greatest rapper to ever touch the microphone, period. And then, you know, Quest Love, you know, Tribe Called Quest, you know. These are pioneers of the game. Back in the day when I was a teenager, before I had status and before I had a pager, you could find an abstract listening to hip hop. My pops used to say it reminded him of beatbox. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. I said, well, daddy, don't you know that things move in cycles? The way Bobby Brown just something like Michael. Ode to hip hop. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know you listened to Tribe enough to mention them. I don't like listen to them, but I recognize the fact that I, gotcha. my, my style wouldn't exist if they didn't exist. Yeah, that's the whole point of the song, and is paying tribute to the. So you have the electronic side with the trip hop, um, which is a variation of hip hop. Is it's inspired by hip hop? You have Black Thought. When I'm thinking about barring people up, I'm looking to Black Thought. I'm not looking to anybody else. When I'm thinking about competition, I'm looking at Black Thought. I'm not thinking about anybody else. What about Drake? Uh, uh, Drake's cool, but I'm I'm looking at, if I'm talking about like I'm just playing. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> if I'm looking at something that I want to achieve to, that's that. I'm looking at Tribe Called Quest. My style wouldn't exist without a Tribe Called Quest. Like, that's just a fact. And uh, their albums are classics. Like, I'm not listening. I'm not bumping Tribe Called Quest all the time. But I'm not going to deny the fact that when it comes on, I'm not going to turn it off. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I threw that in there, not to, yeah. um, not like, a, oh, I didn't know you listened to Trip. No, it's more so like. No, I mean, if you're talking about like listening to them, I'm not turning Tribe Called Quest on. Mm-hmm. I got you. But I love Tribe Called Quest at yeah. the same time, you know. I understand. It's like I like orchestral music, but I'm not turning orchestral music on. Orchestral music is an inspiration to me. I'm not turning it on to listen to it. And that's not a dig at what it is, but I'd rather listen to something else. Yeah, sometimes you got to remember to listen to it. I, I know yeah, what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but it's like if if I'm in the mood, like I'm, I'm in the mood to yeah, listen to it. Yeah. But I also, you know, the whole, like I said, the whole point of it is recognize 
the foundations of what what's what's built on what you're doing. That's the whole point of it. Gotcha. And um, everybody in a tribe called Quest is fire. Like these are some of the best to ever do it. Like come on. Yeah, uh, Fife Dog just dropped the post hummus posthumous keep that album i'm not even gonna get into post posthumous albums yeah 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 neither we're on the same page with that but anyway except mac miller's he was he he was actually probably one of the only ones who dropped a good post-death album pittsburgh zone so um healing process um this is one of the uh on apple music it has a star next to it uh which Mm -hmm. is I, that's recognized as one of the yeah that is the most played song better performing song on apple yeah. music and spotify yeah so healing process big hit big hit this is a popular song um this was displayed uh the making of this song in the documentary leave it as it is not how it was on the cool hand podcast youtube page um healing process so the things that are even with the the uh the title of the song and the sound of the song, uh, where did this come from? Uh, so Johnny who my father, he made the beat. Um, I first heard, I don't think he, maybe he played it for me before, but we were on a zoom thing and he displayed it for everybody. And I was like, this is the best thing that I've heard you make. Um, I think that uh, he might've played it for me before that. Um, but it was a great beat. It was a lot longer before I got to it. And he, he gave it to me and he was just like, you know, do you, uh, do your thing to it or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I'm always like c- kind of cautious uh, with people when I'm working on people's production um, because I like to change the arrangement or everything, but I also want to respect. But he gave me pretty much like free reign to do what I wanted. So... Uh, there was like an intro to it and I couldn't really do anything with the intro and the song was already kind of long. So, uh, yeah, as usual for my process, the chorus came first. I had the hook. Um, the pre-chorus was kind of like a mumbled thing that I had at first and then I kind of refined it, got it a little bit better. Um, I had a, a verse for the intro and then I had the second verse, uh, and I, I sent the snippet to some uh, some of my friends. And uh, for the first verse, I sent it and played it through. And the, the dude said the beat was renegading me. Hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So I rewrote my verse. <laughs> and that's what you got with the first verse. And he was right because it's like I approached it a little, little softer Um but I had to come in and, and that's the thing with, with my, um, you can't like, uh, haphazardly approach my dad's production because there's, uh, so much density to it where it's like, it, you're either going to, you can either compliment the production or you're going to get in the way of the production. Cause most times the production can last on its own. Um, so I was like, okay, that's all I needed to hear for me to, redo it so i rewrote the verse and then that's what you got for that uh that first verse um and that was the first time we made a completed song 
and that song wasn't going it was i didn't write that song with the intention of it being on the album but when i finished it i'm like this is an album song it has to be an album song but the whole idea behind it and uh he made the beat um when he made the beat he titled it healing process so my writing was based off of that the whole uh process so the the bars in it are about like you know the the process of of healing or whatever and i felt like it was a fitting song to follow keys because they were both up tempo actually i think they might even be the same tempo um if i remember correctly they might be the same tempo but um yeah i felt like it was a good like hard hitting follow up to that and it also was like a display of all my styles a good display of pretty much like everything that's in my my wheelhouse the lyrics the the singing the weird um you know like outro type stuff and ambient type stuff and you know so how do you feel about this song being you can confirm the most played mm-hmm. how do you feel about that it's actually interesting to me because i look at the song very aggressive um i look at it as like a, a very aggressive song so i'm surprised so many people get into it but um i guess it's just people could could feel the the emotion behind it and the purpose like there's a there's a real strong purpose behind the song and i feel like maybe that's what people get into what's the and like the the chorus uh people really like the chorus too the way it like comes in it's kind of like euphoric in a way what's the purpose of the song I know it, it I don't want to say it's obvious healing process but yeah I mean that's that's it like it um so like uh, I look at like if you're healing you have to look at things um objectively or subjectively objectively you have to look at things outside of yourself um okay so objectively and see okay what being critical and what what uh what can you do to improve yourself or to actually heal and addressing you know what is the thing that's bothering you so uh i'm trying to like specifically think about my my lyrics or whatever but i always think about uh the second verse um dang i can't even remember my lyrics I got you. Okay. I, I know. I, I remember. I remember your how. Bars. I re, I remember it once it gets going, but I I'm not good with remembering lyrics. All right. Let's see. I got your bars. Yeah. If you read them back to me, I can I can better explain it. The intent behind. Straight. Like the from. the beginning of the the of the first verse. Seven hundred. Seven hundred days or seven hundred ways. Seven hundred days. Something like that. Or five hundred days. I forget which one it is. Seven hundred <laughs> ways running from the race. Yeah, yeah. I'm impatient. I'm in deep space. Yeah, yeah. I so, wrote these bars. Maybe that's why. <laughs> this is some Millie Vanilli type stuff. Q is the greatest ghostwriter I've ever had. Um, no, that's just like it kind of goes back to my thing about Luke Skywalker. Seven hundred days. Um, I've been impatient, you know, running in the race. You you can't like expect to like automatically like heal from whatever you know it takes time all right 
So that's healing process. Let's talk about the next song, mm-hmm. Let It Be. Um, I I was reminded of this song earlier in the uh, this interview when you were, I think when you were talking about Star Wars and everything and how things, you know, you just need to let it be, let the past be the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual process of the song, can you uh, talk about how it came about? We kind of have insight on the thought behind it. Um, but the arrangement, the lyrics, the the everything. Yeah, so the song started, uh, Chlorophyll Collins met him via the pandemic, through the pi- pandemic. Uh, we became cool. Um, he sent me like a, a, a zip file of like a, uh, a bunch of beats. Um, we ended up making songs out of three of them. One of them being the Birds on Mars remix, the other one being Mark and Deli, Market and Delhi Freestyle, and the third one being Let It Be. Now, when he sent me these songs, I was playing them on my speakers, and uh, as I usually do with my writing process, if I'm feeling a song, <clears throat> I turn on my my recorder on my phone, and I start recording myself freestyling. So, um, Birds on Mars, I didn't do anything to that at that moment until like after he uh was like oh it'd be cool if he remixed this because that song was already out but um marketing in delhi the way you hear it was kind of like how i freestyled it when i first heard the beat when i first heard let it be uh he had it titled as find when i first heard that beat for find um i was just sitting in my room at my desk had the beat playing through my speakers and just for off of first impression, I was recording it onto my phone and I had the, the main vocal thing like, I can't let it be, be, and that, that's was just like the basic idea. And I was like, Oh, I, I really like this. So I just got to develop it more. So that part of it was like from the initial reaction to the beat. And then the other stuff, like the more aggressive part of it, that came after the fact. Um, while I was recording that, the first idea, I put it on to the beat. And um, I didn't um, record that like legitimately until way afterwards. I, was, I just always had that idea in my phone and I was just like, I'm going to turn this into a song eventually, but not right now. So I just had it sit there. And then once I was ready, actually, that was probably the last, that might've been one of the last songs that I finished on the album recording wise. Yeah. It was one of the last ones that I finished recording wise, but I had the idea way early. I just wanted to be in the right mindset to finish it. And to come up with the lyrics for it. And then actually, I didn't come up with the proper uh, mindset for it until I was like at my wits end with my job. Um, and I remember having like a, a conversation with my dad. I was like really like at the end of my and at the end of the line <clears throat> with my job, just frustration wise, you know, Um can you pull up the lyrics for that song? Cause I'm going to try to reference some of that, but like some of the lyrics on that is like in direct reference to how I felt about being in my job. But basically the whole song itself is like, um, 
that's where the obsession with wanting control starts. Where it's just like, I can't let it be. Mm-hmm. Who will free my mind? Oh, no, oh, no. I don't even find it no more. Before that. Oh, 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 oh. Like, I can barely sleep. I can barely think. If only I could be free. So that's like, the inspiration like was that was like, I felt, you know, locked down with my work. Of course, that's not the purpose of the song, but that's what motivated me to finally finish the song. Um, I can barely see sleep. I don't feel like me. That was all like after effects of like, you know, all that stuff. So once I got that motivation, I, I recorded that song uh, actually at my sister's house. They were away or something. And I recorded that song and I recorded Sing From Your Heart too, that same day. Um, and that was the last song I needed to record for my album. So with this song, um, you talk about the aggressive part, and that's what I wanted to bring out. Because um, you turn up. Mm-hmm. You know, you turn up, you you start off, and when you first hear those sounds, I'm just call them sounds, in the, in the beginning of the song, I think about, uh, you know, sound association. I think about your your album. I mean, your uh your documentary mm-hmm. uh, when you first hear that so that's the first thing i think but oh yeah that was the first song i put like a real quality yeah the song goes from you know i can't let it be then you hear you know you know that mm-hmm. that you know those vocals and then you're singing you have some auto tune on there mm-hmm. so okay that's where the song is at so you this might be an emotional song and it is emotional but mm-hmm. thinking you know melodically but all of a sudden it's almost like you're yelling you know out of frustration um did that also come from uh, that frustration with the current place you were in your life and your circumstances no that was more reflective of the past uh and that's the whole point of the song it's not current uh like i said my current circumstance circumstances allowed me to finish the song with a with an authentic emotion but um the rest of that was about the past, which um, goes back to Keys, the second part of Keys, where you start to look at things and people differently, and you start to be amongst these type of people. Um, you see people going in different directions, and the second part of that is like, I don't want you to go in that different direction, or you know, I don't want me to think in that different direction. So that's what that second part of the song was. And that that part of the song came about during the recording process. It wasn't like, because I I didn't know what to do in that second part, and I didn't want to continue the let it be, um, like motif, if if you want to say it like that, throughout the whole song. So the second part of that just came for me. Like I just turned the auto tune on and I just started riffing, and I was like, oh, I like this the way this sounds, and then I just started putting in relevant lyrics that would kind of fill in the gaps for the the album story a little bit. Let's move on to another fan favorite. Fourth song, excuse me, In the Womb. Mm -hmm. One of my personal favorites, not that it matters, but I wanted to throw that in there. That's one of my favorites too. Um, It's almost like an interlude kind of, you know. And uh, I, I listen to this in the morning. It's like, you know, it's, it's just one of those songs like uh, the way the way you 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 give it up on that on this short track 
is just it's almost like perfect you know it's almost the perfect uh 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 time length and things like that so uh where did this song come from and why is it placed where it is so it's actually an old song too it's one of the older ones it's probably one of the second oldest songs um and uh you said what was the question you asked about why what why was it placed where it why was it placed um so this is like at the point um so uh when i fall asleep i think of you when i fall asleep uh oh man <laughs> i don't remember when my lyric I when i fall asleep i dream of you so um to me i i look at uh i looked at that type of type that song as like um again like holding on to something that isn't really like relevant right now or something that maybe you lost that you that you don't have um i don't know i just i think of that song sometimes like about like people who may have lost like you know dead loved ones to death um in the theme of the album, it ends up being like, you know, uh, a love interest, you know, uh, but for me, that type of song is about, like I said, where, where I like extremes. So that's where it's kind of like the extreme is going to a breaking point. So it's like if you, the, the point of the song and why it's placed there <clears throat> is because in your dreams, we all have dreams that we wish were like real, like you have a dream. I remember when I was younger, I had a dream that I had like all the coolest Pokemon cards. And I was like, man, I wish that that was real, right? So the whole point of the song is like, you're getting so obsessed with like maybe this dream that you had, or like you're able to dream and your dream becomes a reality and you're able to have that thing that you lost before, whether it was like, somebody you loved or somebody that died um, in your dream that no longer exists. So it's like the the obsession starts to come into that point where it's like, okay, well, if in my dreams I can attain or have control over this thing that I have no control over anymore, then I'm going to keep going into my dreams and I'm going to keep uh, residing in this fantasy. Don't wake me up. Don't wake me up. Yeah. That reminds me of a scene out of Inception. If uh if this sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. There's a certain point where Joseph Gordon Levitt is talking to the Indian guy, the Indian British man, and there's a bunch of people, you know, laid up and on this little dream machine, whatever. And Joseph Gordon Levitt asked the guy a question, the doctor, he was a doctor, and he asked him something and he said, The doctor's like, No. They come here so they could wake up. Mm -hmm. So it was like they were, you know, lost in that dreamland, that fantasy, yeah. whatever they were envisioning. And they were hooked up to this machine, but they had to be reminded to wake up because what was not reality became more important than. Yeah, like reality, like I feel like at a, at a certain point, reality can get so twisted of how you want it to be where it doesn't even feel real anymore. And it's like, this isn't 
this can't be real. Like this isn't this isn't how it should be, you know. Thank you for the insight. Love that mm-hmm. song. It is uh audibly pleasing. Mm-hmm. That's the word. I don't you know. And that's so, that's one of the songs that went through a lot of different versions. Um originally it had drums. Um and it was a little bit more chaotic. And like I said earlier about the push and pull thing, once I got the production right on that, I was like, oh, I have to re-record my vocals because my singing was not um, on point. So I was like, I have to do this better. So. Don't wake me up. Yeah. And that was that was one of the songs where I was like, definitely has to have strings on it to fit the whole dream thing and the harp part of it, too that adds to the the dream element of it you know you associate harps with dreaming and like you know that kind of stuff what's the i just want to spend a little bit of time on this just because um a part of why i and i'm glad that you've done this but a part of why i want to ask you about reaching out to people um is because not selfishly but I want other people to know that it's attainable. Like you've, I don't know anybody else who's reached out to outside musicians for these things and you don't have to give numbers. You can, you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. you can do it. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it may not be as hard as one may think. Oh yeah. It's, it's very easy. So when you decided you wanted to have the harp or the violin viola cello bass mm. on whatever song you you do uh, what is the process like um so for this song it's different than the other ones that have strings on it okay. um so i reached out to the artist i the harp was the first thing i knew i wanted the harp um to fit the whole dream vibe of it uh so i sent the harp player the song all you have to do is do a quick google search and you can you can find these resources. It's very easy and it's very affordable. And I said, I I gave her the, like the key of the song or whatever. Um, and I just told her my idea for the song. I kind of, I, I don't think I gave her, I did give her um, a musical example of what I was going for. And I just said, just do what you, what you can do. And I chopped it up a little bit, put it where I needed to be. I got rid of some things. Um, and I just let her do her, her thing. Um, I didn't write any of the strings on this, this song. Some of the other songs I did write the actual melodies for the strings, but for this one, I just let the, the musicians try to figure their way around the song. Um, after that, I got the, the, the violin. Um, and I basically just wanted it to be like a, a backup. Um, one of the inspirations, uh, there's a movie called Snitch with uh the rock which is probably one of his better movies uh that movie was really good but there's a a a a violin part and like the motif of that song that's extremely like it just kind of like goes under your skin and i loved it and uh, so that's what i gave um like i wanted to capture that feeling uh so that's what i gave to the string the violin the violinist i don't know if that's the right term term I gave to her and I'm like, I wanted to capture that. 
so once she got that down, we went like back and forth for a little bit and I asked her to change some things. Uh, after we did that, then I sent it to the cello player who was also the same guy who did the cello on footer. Um, and I basically just told him if he could just back up what she did um, with her string stuff and he added his own his own thing and given him the same example that movie snitch uh the 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 string part of that and that's that's how the the orchestral arrangement for that came about respect respect because you have to have a vision and that's where um, not everybody can there's levels Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying this to boost your ego or anything but i'm not saying glasses are off What's that? Yeah, the, the sunglasses, sunglasses are off. There and is I, no ego here right now. And I'm not saying this like I said last time. I'm not saying this because you're my man. I'm saying this on some real stuff like respect because you have to have an idea. You have to put that together. You just can't say, you just can't tell everybody, do what you think is best. Then you're just going to have a bunch of other people's ideas. Um, you know, you have people's inputs. You told the heart player to do what she does. You gave people examples, but you had to direct and say, the um, cello player can you do some can you back up what other people are doing he mm-hmm. just didn't have free reign um, but- yeah because like the thing to get an orchestral sound you have to have a quartet and you can do that cheaply by having you know a string player a viol a violin a violin player playing this you know multiple times multiple <clears throat> takes and then having a cello player play multiple takes and then also a viola is a part of that too it makes it sound orchestral um yeah, because if you look at an orchestra, there's several cello players, several violin players, several viola players. But you can get it affordably by having these people do multiple ver- takes of, you know, mul- different harmonies or whatever of of it. Shout out to all of those strings players. Yes. And uh, um, you all contributed to a great song. Uh, number five chemistry the 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 song that's uh, that that all the ladies are wondering who are you <laughs> get out of here all the all the ladies are, are wondering in 2022 who is samson sing rapping about i'm trying to sound like an old school but um mm. yeah that's that's what the whole world you know i guess they'll never know <sighs> yeah, i think you just broke a lot of hearts crowded places <laughs> um so chemistry let's talk about chemistry and in the womb uh, had a nice transition, how that song ends and how chemistry begins. Um, There's levels to this. That was extremely purposeful. Where's the sunglasses? <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, the, 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 uh, the transition between songs was great. Um, one ends, the other begins, and we talk about chemistry. And it comes in hard. He's weird. But, um, <laughs> so, in, so when that bass hits, come on. <laughs> get the sunglasses it's not time yet okay that wasn't even a brag all right so um let's talk about chemistry now this one is a little more commercial i would call mm-hmm. um what, what's this one I, I think it's transparent what it's about um uh, go ahead no i'm interviewing you you said it's transparent I, I think it's transparent what it's about but if you didn't cut me off i was gonna say but can you go on and explain it I would like to hear what's so transparent about it. Chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) 
chemistry, what people use the, the term, you know what? I'm not going to have this happen on my platform. Because <laughs> this is a dialogue. It's not a. No, no. I'm it's actually, not a um, symposium. I'm in interview mode. I'm, I'm asking you about your songs. These are my songs. These are everybody's songs. Who made them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about chemistry. Mm-hmm. All right. So cool song. Cool. So what 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 was the purpose um, behind this song? What uh, what was what was the purpose and what went into making this song? Uh, so it started with the hook, as per usual. Had the hook. The hook was inspired by real events. I think uh, chemistry is very important in relationships. Um, I think there is a natural chemistry between individuals that doesn't have to be forced. Um, and when you get it with certain people, it's kind of rare. Um, so that was inspired by real events. And then you have the verses. Uh, here's my problem with explaining music. I like people to have their own interpretations of things. This is the, the caveat that I will say about all these songs. Uh, just because I'm breaking down maybe my intentions or whatever. People's own ideas can be interpreted from this music, um, I have a very uh, clear directive from beginning to end on how I think that the album is going and the story I'm trying to tell. Um, but I like people to make their own opinions up. Uh, I say all that to say, so at this point of the album, like I said, I like extremes. So we're in the dream state. Uh, before that, um, let it be. Basically, it's like, you know what, I just can't get over the fact that reality isn't the way I want it to be. And when I'm in my dreams, life is so much better, so I'm going to stay in my dreams. But, you know, like I said with the Star Wars thing, when you can't accept change, uh, sometimes the things that you're given in replacement for the fact that you can't accept change is things that aren't always the best for you, but you don't you don't really realize that until after the fact. So instead of getting, uh, you know, if you get stuck in the dream, the dream, the fantasy of things, uh, instead of getting what you really need out of it, you're presented with this ideal individual who matches the criteria. So what could this ideal individual really give you in your life that's what the song is or what the song is leading towards but the song is about the ideal individual that you would want in a relationship chemistry mm-hmm. your shorty your homie your only best friend right. Mm-hmm. all right so uh that's the way it should be so this really gives insight to the person you are and what you find valuable in a relationship, in a mate, right? That's up for interpretation. Like I said, this is what was presented. Didn't you say chemistry was important to you? Chemistry, yes. But if we're talking about the bars and the song itself, that's what's presented. It doesn't mean it's always valuable. Is it valuable to you? Chemistry or the bars? Chemistry. We're talking about the verses or the hook? Chemistry. chemistry is the most important, probably one of the most important things Thank in you. any relationship. 
friendship, romantic, parental, familial. Chemistry is very important in all those things. I had to think about it when uh, when it came to the parental thing because you know I was thinking about a parent's responsibility. This is all irrelevant, but um, but I agree with you. I do agree with you how it how it's very important to um, parental all that other stuff. I agree. Um, so I look at it as the key to a lot of things. If you have chemistry with somebody, you can work through a problem. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. Like that's not what chemistry is. But like if you have chemistry with somebody, you're more willing to work through differences. I agree. Or you're more open to it. I agree. (laughs) I'll save my own personal experiences. Not even. (laughs) Not even anything bad. It's more so um, when you do have a connection with someone or form a connection. Whether you need it to be intention, you meant it to be intentional or not, mm-hmm. um, people just are just in general more willing. Period. Just mm-hmm. more willing. I, right. I've told this story to you about people at work. Like you know, you spend time with people and you just get to know them. They get comfortable with you. And not saying that we don't have chemistry, but just nice. And then you end up learning. <laughs> It's like, why are you talking to me about yeah. this? Like, I don't, I thought we was workmates. So, oh, yeah. And it's not always the thing that you need at that point in your life. Yeah. All right. So, uh, next song number six, uh, we have Silver Lining. Now, this was dropped as your second single. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the first single we'll talk about a little later. Now, Silver Lining was one of my favorites, is not even was, is one of my favorite songs. I'm disappointed. Uh, that there is no star next to it right now. There was a star back when it was one of the only songs available, but when the whole album dropped, I guess people thought there was stuff that was better. But um, but that's but that's just me talking because that's one of my own personal favorites. So um, uh, let's talk about Silver Lining, which was also featured in the documentary on the Cool Hand Podcast the YouTube goat. channel. That T Plus, who's the, goat. the very first interview on the Cool Hand Podcast. One uh, of the best producers alive. Uh, one of the goats. One of the best vocalists alive. One of the best vocalists alive. What else? Go, keep going. Oh, it just one stops there. One of the there. coolest dudes alive. Okay, one of the coolest <laughs> dudes alive. What else? <laughs> one of the most easy to work with dudes alive. One of the most easiest work with. All right, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> Killed myself. All right, so silver lining. Uh, what? Let's let's talk about the concept behind this song. So up until this point, now we have chemistry, but everything else, keys, ode to hip hop, and then you get into the reality of, of things that you start rapping on, healing process, that is a, a gloomy, gloomy, I'm just coming up on the fly, gloomy, doom, doom, doom. That's reality. It, reality, let it be. These are songs that are not upbeat. Chemistry is... Uh, more summertime singly, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a, it's a single to get people, you know, something to stick in their head. But silver lining is different than everything else, in my opinion. So when it things don't take a turn, but uh, the tempo changes. Um, so where where did this come from? How does it fit on the album? Um, the placement of the song. Uh, what's behind this? 
Yeah, uh, this is another one. Started with the hook. It's a pretty old song. I had that chorus for a long time. Never really had the verses. I had a, uh, I actually had a verse. The song was originally three verses, and the third verse was the f- verse that I created in the first place, and I scrapped it because the song was way too long. It was actually like during the breakdown, which Tevin's vocals are what that T plus vocals are what filled in that space, and I added like a little a synth arp into that. Um, it's placement of the song. I actually went back and forth a lot with this as far as like the track listing on like where to put this song. Um, because, it, uh, what is it like conveying, but it's still in that like fantasy part of things. But the also point of the song is like, it also, so like prior to this song, you're in the fantasy. You don't know you're in a fantasy, but in this song, it's like, I know I'm in the fantasy but I don't care. So that's the part of it. Also, like it's it's a it's the type of song where it's like, man, I'm I'm doing the best I can with what I got. And I'm I'm really just trying my best. So that's what the song is about. Um and all all that comes with that, you know. Uh yeah, I'm trying to think of the lyric. Oh, I keep forgetting my lyrics. <clears throat> I know the second verse was inspired. Yeah, I took a trip to California and uh, the second verse. So I had the first verse done, took a trip to California and, you know, hung out with some cool people. And my friends were uh, giving me some uh, correction on my approach to how I talk. So that's what the second verse came from. They say I'm aggressive, violent. They say I'm like a riot. Um, but hate it when I'm quiet, you know, that's one of those things where like, I, I've, uh, kind of felt my whole life where it's like when people want you to talk and then it's like, okay, it's, it's too, um, too aggressive for me. But then when you be quiet and you don't say anything, they're like, why aren't you saying anything? What's your opinion? And that's kind of what that song is. I'm about to check you. That verse is. Go ahead. <laughs> because this is a perfect example. I'm glad this is on camera too, because he, you you know because these are your words, and I think you acknowledge this. I think your self consciousness is on level ninety three, level ninety four. If this was a video game, um, so that's how high your rating would be in the self conscious level. So you're aware of some of the things that you are and what you do. So, um, you talk about extremes how it's either trash or it's goat so with this one and this is your real experience um on the song i'm talking about but hate it when i'm silent so it's like okay what's your opinion on this oh but i'm too aggressive when i speak right so let me just be quiet (laughs) it's -hmm. not even about that it's okay you can be too aggressive when you speak or i'm not the person who gave him correction by the way i ain't never been to california a day in my life but and those are some of my favorite people on the entire earth. Cool. Who gave me that. And only the people who I love can give me counsel that I'm going to listen to. That's why you never listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I hate your guts. <laughs> it, it makes all the no, um so yeah, like that's the thing. Like there's it's this this is a display of the extremes. It's like, okay, silent or too aggressive. Which one do you want? Pick one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, how about we have the one that's right in the middle where you can talk to me in a being gracious and seasoned with salt. Um, and you can be real with me, but you don't. Argh, argh, you're not a pit bull. You're not DMX. You're childish Gambino or something. Hmm? <laughs> I'm trying to think of somebody with a soft image. You don't want to be DMX and you don't want to be Claro. You want to be somewhere in the middle. Whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm saying, okay. They say I'm aggressive, violent. Can like you pull a, up the lyrics? Like a, I don't care. Like I a care. Ri- like a ri- they say I'm like a there was riot, context to that before that. But hate it when I'm silent. But hate it when I'm silent. Yeah, like, okay, you have, you're somebody with an opinion and a valid opinion most of the time. But when you come at people. <sighs> but it's not even about that. It's the fact that people are so used to people sugarcoating stuff to them. And when somebody says something to them straight, it's like, whoa. But in, in every circumstance where I've done that, it's come out to benefit the other person. The next song is <laughs> La La Land. Another oh, one man, of my podcast. favorites. Another one of my favorites. Because I'm not going to argue this point. I'm not going to argue this point. Um, let's stop the point is I've, I've grown from it. Now, uh, the next song is also another favorite, another highlight uh, from the documentary, uh, which is La La Land. Uh, That song features your sisters, which you gave the backstory on in the first part of this interview. Correct. Um, But being such a highlight on the the album, um, can you give us the backstory, the uh, intention behind the song? and so on. Uh, yeah, so this song is kind of further driving home, um, like what I said about Silver Lining, about kind of knowing you're in a fantasy, but you don't care. So that's what this song kind of is. It's like, you know, uh, oh man, I really wish I remember my lyrics. Um, but it was like something, something, but it feels like, oh, I know it's not real, but it feels like, ooh, la, 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 la. So for me with that song, um, again, it was one of those things where I had the chorus first, but I wanted to, I like, I love choruses that are just like uh, uh, a vocal melody. You know what I mean? Uh, I love that kind of stuff in in songs. So I always wanted to do that in one of my songs. So to me, it was kind of like a, um, it was kind of like me uh, doing my my take on that. But I, I wanted the, the chorus to not so much be about what it's saying, but how it feels. And it's kind of like that feeling. Like if you ever, um, I don't know, like if you, had like man like the best um i don't know ice cream cone or something like that you know gelato or whatever italian ice and then you eat it and it's like ooh la la <laughs> that's that that feeling that you feel inside 
where it's like, man, this feels really good, uh, but you can't like express it with words. So that's what it's kind of like, like like a blissful like type type thing, um, but also like in that like fairy tale realm of things. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's uh, that's the point of that chorus. But the verses kind of like reveal like the the curtain behind it all. Um, the original idea for the song was um, I wanted to kind of write from like the uh, there's a, a, a disorder called uh, deep derealization personality disorder derealization something like that I forget what it's called but it's basically like you go through life like things get so mundane and so similar that you go through life observing yourself from a third person so it's like you're playing a video game with your own life um and i've felt like i've had those moments where it's like my life gets so repetitive where i'm just kind of like observing myself um but i and the original title of the song was going to be derealization uh just based off of that disorder because i think it's really fascinating because i have a lot of those moments where i'm kind of just like the third person in my own life looking at things um but i felt like uh what i was talking about in the song was kind of a disservice to what the actual disorder entails so i kind of pulled it back a little bit and kind of played with more of the um the um the fantasy aspect of it you know uh that's why like you know part of the verses was like contemplative desperation um i don't i don't think that's exactly what it is but like the yeah contemplated desperation um dream of something better to hide my life's displeasure yeah so i mean that, that's self-explanatory yeah you're dissatisfied with life so it's like i'm making a, a contemplative i'm making a um, concentrated effort to rewrite my my story that's what the song is and it's like i don't care that it isn't what actually how things are playing out but it's way better than how things are playing out so i'm gonna create my own story la 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 how do you come up with beautiful that? strings just just going going with how the music directs me that's just it i mean I don't know like what you can attribute it to. Maybe it's just like what's built within me, my own skill or whatever, uh, you know, or inherit. I don't know. It's just how I approach, how I approach music. I, 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 I've learned to allow myself to, uh, let the music guide me. Um, so that's how that came about. It wasn't planned or anything. It's just how I was, um, like I usually do when I freestyle stuff over music, that's just what came out of it. Yeah, that was, um, and it felt right. That was honestly an inappropriate question, uh, just because you're right. There's, you know, how do you come up with that? It just comes to you, like the the same thing. Not I can only draw from my own experience. It's like okay, how do you come up with saying this or saying something this way? But on the flip side, we're talking about melodies. We're talking about sounds. It's different. Sometimes I add my own harmonies to songs mm -hmm. when I'm 
And I'm like, man, if they did this, it would sound, you know, just regular songs, you know. Um, even like when we're singing during the meeting, like I'll, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll sing in a different pitch or I, I don't know, pitch key, whatever to, you know, on certain parts. Yeah. So, um, but you just do it. You don't, <laughs> I would just say that's, that's like my personality. Yeah. I would say like that kind of stuff to me. I like, I, I think I said it in the first part when we talked about this song to me, that's like the, the stepsister song to somewhere soon. Um, that's just, that's just my style. When I think of crowded places, that's like my, my wheelhouse, that type of stuff. That's just, that's just me. Mm-hmm. This is stuff that I like that appeals to me. And I feel like it's my identity, part of my identity. Who is crowded places? He's still learning. The next song is called <laughs> my box of something i learned um and i think i'm confident a lot of people will learn that this song is called my box of content Mm -hmm. and not content Mm -hmm. i didn't until you started saying it the first during the first joint Uh i thought it was called my box of content Hmm. even in relation to the song i mean that goes with what i was saying i don't like to give people interpretations if that's how you interpret it, that's fine. It it'll fit into whatever world you make it to fit. That's how I read it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but look, if you if you're saying it fits with the way the song is, that's your interpretation of it. I have my own interpretation of it. But but you know, but the song makes more sense knowing what the artist mm-hmm. is talking about. It's it makes more sense because, um, and you'll talk about the song, but just like I feel like the word content is used so much more now in this era. So people don't talk about contentment on a daily basis. Oh, I'm a content creator. Oh, what type of content is this? Well, when I curate my content, all sorts of weird stuff that people say. Like, so I I automatically, my brain, my eyes read this as content. So when you're talking about I love it here, I'm so happy. Okay, as an artist, which you are. Okay, stuck in this box. You know, this this box of content, whether it's in your room making music or whatever box you put yourself into, I'm thinking it's more personal to you, which all of these are personal. But I think that speaks to how I interpret music as I like the song. I may not relate to it all the way, like I'm so happy stuck in this box. Like it me it, that means something to crowd of places. Not my box of content, content or contentment or anything like that. It's just, oh, I like the way this song sounds. Let's talk about my box of content. Uh, you did tell the backstory behind having Victoria uh, on the song uh, uh, during our first part of this interview. Uh, but the idea behind it, especially since I had a misinterpretation of the title itself. Um, can you talk about that, please? Uh, yeah, so this song is probably like the most, um, um, tragic song out of all the songs. I feel like on the album, or at least like the most, it came from like more of a source of like, uh, um, pain. I guess, uh, 
I think one of the, for me, one of the things, like, one of the things, like, I, I love extremes, like I said. Another thing I like is satire and sarcasm. The song is, um, and I love, uh, like, uh, saying one thing and meaning another. So the song is very not what it sounds. It's not about being happy at all. It's lying to your, the song is pretty much lying to yourself. I don't know if that's transparent when you hear it, um, which is kind of the idea. Like you could either take it one way or the other. My intent with it is the song is a complete lie in the entire song. I'm happy. And uh, that comes with like the sarcasm and the satire. I love the, the fact that, uh, you know, I'm so happy being in this box. You think of a box, it's a negative thing. You're in four walls. You're not going anywhere. So you're basically lying to yourself. And this is something that people and humans do all the time. We lie to ourselves. And if we're in a situation and we say it's okay, I'm happy in this situation, but you're not. This kind of plays into another thing. I had a conversation with one of my friends. And it's like uh, if you ask somebody how you're doing, you don't really want to know how somebody's doing. And you're not going to really tell somebody how you're doing. So instead, you're just going to say, oh, I'm doing good, you know, you know, same old, same old. But really, you're not doing that great. So that's kind of like the whole thing in the song. The song is a lot. Somebody asks, basically, the song is like a response to somebody asking, some outsider asking you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so happy. I'm living in my box. I'm content in my box. I'm content being stuck. And that's like a, a coping mechanism to deal with the fact that you're not really doing anything or you're in the same place. Um, so what all entails in that? And then the, you get into the details of the verse. Um, I don't know how, how, how far this podcast wants to go as far as like, uh, you know, dark, uh, things or whatever, you know, um, talk, talk, but the, uh, I remember writing the song, um, and this is the oldest song on the album. It was actually supposed to be on my original album. Uh, but I took it off and put it on this because I felt like this album needed something a little more personal. Uh, and every song is personal to me in a way. It's all very inspired by real things. Uh, but this is the song where it's like, firmly rooted in reality but also expresses my personality by the sarcasm of it and the uh you know the false the like the double uh narrative of how it can be perceived and how it really is so um yeah this was one of the first the oldest songs um i remember again my sisters were on vacation i recorded at at their house and I was trying to like knock out my album that first album I was trying to get that album done so I was like recording a bunch of songs this was one of them and I was just like freestyling stuff now uh an aspect of my former job uh I did a lot of work with uh children um taking x-rays with children one of the aspects of doing that job was the fact that if a 
if a kid died, they would come to us. We would have to x-ray them head to toe. Um, my first experience with that was a kid. He came in through the ER, uh, a baby. I don't even know, probably like a couple months old. Um, cardiac arrest. Uh, <clears throat> and they were doing compressions. This is my first time going to a trauma for cardiac arrest for a child. It was me and this other girl. And um, I'm really good at... Uh, removing myself from situations. Uh, I can, like I said, this kind of goes back to the derealization thing where you can kind of see yourself as a third person, but also like I can easily cut myself out of situations where I don't feel anything. So it's like, okay, my duty is to do this. So I'm not going to allow myself to feel the emotional effects of it. So in the moment they're, you know, they're doing the compressions or whatever. Clearly the kid's done, but, you know, they have to do it for <clears throat> a while um, before they can call it. They call it and then um, eventually after they go through things and the family mourns, they have to, uh, the child has to come to us for x-rays so that they can make sure that there's nothing else going on with the kid. Um, before they can go to the corner. So this was my first experience with it. Um, something I heard about and something I knew was a part of the job. And, um, yeah, it was weird. I'm I, I, like, I, I was literally holding a dead, a dead child in my arms. You know, they bring them in, they put them in a blanket or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, to feel, feel the cold flesh, of a living being. And for, like I said, for me in that moment, it was like, okay, I just have to do these x-rays. And uh, it, um, emotionally, I wasn't, I didn't feel it in that moment. But when we were, we were in the trauma bay, um, one of the police officers, uh, he started crying um, when they were working on the kid. And I, I don't know about you, but when you see like a grown man cry, that like, it hit it hits you you know differently and like I kind of had to like uh, get control over myself but um <clears throat> I still was kind of detached from the situation but that was like I had my moment of humanity when I saw this grown man crying um, but anyways you know this is my job so I got to do it so once they bring the kid back do the X rays my coworker she kind of assisted me she was kind of struggling with it as well I think it was her first one <clears throat> as well. Um, but yeah, uh, the problem with removing yourself from situations is you can't really avoid those emotions. You can kind of delay them, but you can't really avoid them. So eventually those emotions caught up with me. And I remember uh, one time it hit me after work and I just kind of like sat in a parking lot and, you know, anyways, um, the song was me like letting those things, those feelings out, um, and in a way, and then also like relating it to my own personal experiences. So, um, if you could do me a favor and pull up the lyrics.
Um, yeah, did you just want to see your own lyrics? Um, just read them <laughs> to me. Just for the verse. I don't care. Like the chorus, I'll explain the chorus. What is the joy that I thought I knew? Thought it uh, would. Go to the second verse, please. Uh, let me, before we go to the second verse, mm-hmm. I was, I did, now that I'm reading that, um, I thought your voice sounded the best. Um, now, I don't know how you tweaked your lyrics or how you tweaked your voice with this, but I felt like this was the rawest, mm-hmm. um, some of the rawest uh, of your own voice mm-hmm. uh, that we got to hear. And I thought it sounded good. Now you have a, your voice, you have a tough voice to sing with. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like you're not Luther, you know what I mean? Like, like people who have these like very white, you know, type voices. Um, but I thought your voice sounded really good and it adds to the emotion. Uh, going back to what you were saying, uh, some of your, your lyrics, I'm so happy, blah, blah, blah. All right. I guess it's all what I wanted right now. Wanted right. I know. I know. Yeah. You are the one I fight, I show. I cannot live in light where I go. I cannot feel the fight I sow. I wouldn't bring my... I-O. I-O, okay. Uh, So I-O in the medical term is intra-osseous. So uh, hopefully I'm not getting this wrong, but usually in a life-threatening situation, they will inject epinephrine into somebody. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So... uh, I don't know if it was this kid, but there was a situation where they didn't put the IO into the bone properly, which caused the kid to die. So it was an error on somebody's life. But anyways, the point of me putting that into life, it's a life-saving thing. If you're in, in a critical situation, the intraosseous injection is life-saving. Um so I wouldn't bring my IO. Keep keep reading. I cannot still nah nah no. I done seen too many children die. This ain't my life. Okay, so the reason why I said all that, like I'm I'm relating uh what I've seen. <clears throat> you know, if I I look at it, I'm looking at it in this song as in if I had the ability to give myself life-saving means i wouldn't feel able to do it because i've seen way more deserving lives lose their lives and not get it so why would i do that for myself so that's basically what i wouldn't bring my io i wouldn't bring that for myself i've seen way too many children die um and then go ahead This ain't my life. This ain't my life. I, my life isn't owed to me. I'm not. The, my life is dedicated to Jehovah. So you know, this ain't my life. I don't make the decisions based on it anymore. Uh, in that aspect of it, but also, what I'm seeing isn't the life that I, I, I want it to be. Like this isn't. I don't want to be. You know, holding cold dead bodies. You want me to keep going? Yeah, go ahead. Save my life. I can't renew who I was. I can't redo all this rush for what it was, for what it was. I'm so happy stuck in this box. So again, that goes back to the, you know, accepting of the fact that you can't, like, you can't, like, keep trying to renew things to how they used to be 
it's basically putting your life in perspective. Like there's way more, <laughs> there's way more things that are going on besides your own little issues where it's like, you know, you, you're getting all, all consumed about your own little issues when there's so many more things and so many more people who would have done way more with your life and you're wasting your life consumed by things that don't matter. What are essentially. the things that are you that are <clears throat> consumed? That's up for that's that's for you to decide. Talking about you. It's not about me. This this, is your in this song. instance, it's not about me in that. Because okay. because what I'm leading to, I said that for a purpose. I said that for a reason. Because when I read these lyrics, um, when you're talking about you've seen too many children die, this ain't my life, I can't renew who I was, I'm thinking in the context of it's unnatural for us to, death is unnatural, period. Mm-hmm. But to see a baby, to just see a baby alone, a, a dead child in front of you, to hold a dead not a dead child, a dead infant. To hold a dead infant, I can't relate to that. People can't. A lot of people can't relate to that. Maybe we've been, we've all been to funerals, touched our grandma, grandfather, whoever, friend, and they, you know, that cold, you know, they're filled with embalming fluid. But you're holding a. We know. We you talked about it. Yeah, and to like, okay, we need to hurry up because the body's getting stiff. We got to finish that's that's a that's, that's a, how real it, it gets that's different that's yeah that's different. <laughs> and it's and it's um it's not natural and so when i read these lyrics i can't renew who i was you change mentally emotionally um you think about people who un- unfortunately i'm gonna say unfortunately caught their first body or people who killed people and they say, I always remember the first person I killed. And they or and they still dream about they still dream about it, they still think about it, they can't get it out of their head. Mm-hmm. Um and it's changing. Like you serial killers, they don't forget the first person. Mm-hmm. Not to compare this to serial to being a serial killer, <laughs> but the point of me bringing that up is is you don't forget something that life changing. Yeah, and no matter how hard you try to like remove yourself from that situation. It can not not affect you. That's serious stuff. So um, that's why I asked him, like, what do you mean? Stuff that, you, you know, stuff consuming you, because I'm not I'm not you. Know, you already know I'm not the big mental health person. I'm not the person. Shout out to mental health. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not that type of person to be talking about it all the time, but more so like that's real stuff like that's real stuff that can mess you up you mm-hmm. know what i mean so that's why i'm like hold on what you mean what you mean consume because like i don't think anybody would blame you and i'm not saying this on some intervention type stuff i'm just on this is, yeah forget but, the camera when i say like consume uh you know I, I, like when i i threw it back at you like it, it it's on the person when things are consumed them like at this point in the in the album my frustration lies in that my that my life situations are changing but in this song the things that i'm thinking about that i'm frustrated about are nothing compared to the fact 
compared to the difference between life and death. It's nothing. And the fact that uh, potential for life is a whole lot different than somebody who's frustrated that life is changing. And the fact that some people are robbed of the potential, potential of life. Thank you for the transparency. Mm-hmm. Cause I was clearly <laughs> misunderstood. That's why I ask questions. <laughs> clearly miss when you explain that. So simply it's clearly misunderstood. Yeah. But I guess that's also why um, lyrics are interpreted different ways. And that's the whole point of it. Like I, <clears throat> Like I, like I, when I gave that ca- caveat, cav- caveat, whatever, prior, you know, my idea of the album is not to be the definitive idea of the album. It's just the, the reason why I made it and where I was going with it. But I would hope people would make of it what they, what they want to. That's why I'm not so explicit with, you know, with how I'm, explaining things it's to be digested it's not to be quickly consumed it's not it's not fast food this is the stuff that will help you build muscle this is protein big dog amino acids all proteins are not built equally so this is so you're i watched a a very in-depth video about you're the bodybuilder i am not the bodybuilder so he's saying this is eggs. This these are boiled eggs. If that applies, it go applies. ahead. You know more about it than me. No, I was. I don't know about this. Though. We're we're gonna move on. But I watched <laughs> a very fascinating video about how protein is consumed. And you know, you see something, it has X amount of protein. Oh, it's got thirty two grams of protein. Your body's probably taking in five grams. It has thirty two grams. So mm. very interesting. That's why I'm saying this is boiled eggs because there's a lot of protein that gets consumed. within boiled eggs Mm -hmm. so um thank you for breaking that down and thank you for being open being that let's hope 50 people watch this (laughs) (laughs) it's going to 100 or more let's hope let's hope so thank you for for being um do you know who it is you know you know you're talking to yeah what song comes after this What's after this? You know. Fairy tales? Yep. Okay, yeah, we can put these on. <laughs> Fairy tales and nonfiction. All right. Fairy we'll tales. keep these on for the rest of the album because this is where I get in my See, bag. this is a better look. You look like Deion Sanders. All right. Prime Deion Sanders. Prime time Deion Sanders. These are yellow. You just need a bunch tent. of chains. Oh, you have a chain on your on your fingers. All right, so. Sponsored by the cool... Uh, here's the thing. I'm not into jewelry, um, but Cool Hand got this for me. I got it. And that's it. why I'm wearing it. And the thing is, too, like I, I put it around my neck and it made me look like an R&B singer. And I'm not an R&B guy. I don't do anything that I don't represent. And even um, like, you know, part one, you saw me out here in my rapper bag. That's, that's still in my wheelhouse. I'm here humble. Uh, now I got my glasses on. Fake humble. <laughs> It's still in my wheelhouse, but anyways, this isn't me. But I like, um, uh, I, I want a, a desire a pinky ring. So um, the chain doesn't fit me because I'm not R and B. So I put it around my fingers and I've, to show respect for the host and the fact that he got me this bling. You can I don't know if it's uh if it's uh dancing on you, but it kind of changed colors a little bit. You know, it dances. 
it dances. I have a video of it dancing. Yeah, it changes colors a little bit. I don't know if the camera will represent it, but it, it probably won't. <laughs> it probably. But listen, but anyways, I bought him. A, I bought him a garbage chain um, last year, I believe. I bought him a garbage chain from Amazon. Turn the chain to a pinky ring. It was really supposed to be like you know kind of like in jest like okay you're mm -hmm. a rapper like here's a like you need to look like all a of this is in jest and this is like i said it's in my wheelhouse right this is who i i, I love satire so i mean if if people can't like clearly see the fact that I, uh, we're just having fun with this it's all in jest so go ahead some people can't clearly see we scared a couple people before there was a couple people who good thought <laughs> if you're scared you don't belong who thought we hated each other Good, good for them. <laughs> but um, they're losers. I saw people rocking that chain from Amazon, and I like thought for, it was legit. Yeah, for real. Like I saw people rocking them joints for real, because you could get every letter of the alphabet. This, this thing's, this thing's dancing. I'm letting go. I, I had crowded places, and icy. you'll never hear me rap about a chain. I, I had them icy. All right, so um, <clears throat> actually, I have said chain. So Let's healing talk. process. I said chain. But it was a different kind of chain. You know my what I mean? My chain heavy. Yeah, yeah, my chain heavy. Great Good Friday song. All right. So fairy tales slash nonfiction. We get two songs in one. Pretty Crazy. Much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Glasses okay, yeah. on. <laughs> All right. So we're out of the sad bag. All right. So uh, let's talk about this song and why you chose two, like chose two songs to be in one song. Fun fact, fairy tales wouldn't be on the album if Cool Hand didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true because um, oh, so that, I, I wouldn't say that because I, I'm not directed by anything that he, he thinks I should do. Um, but I will say that um, his impression of the song, I always liked the song and I feel like it fit the theme of the song. If, if you're really into... Um, breaking things down there's a lot of like like i said there's fantasy a part of this there's a lot of fairy tale references in this album so this song was another old song that i had a while back and i was just listening through my old songs and i'm like man this song fits so well with the theme of the album but i didn't know where to put it and i remember doing my first listening session with him in 3d and we were driving um from ohio and he was really into he really liked this song so um i'm giving him more credit than he deserves earlier but uh, uh to put it simply it just gassed me to like okay i gotta finish this song so i i improved the production um i had tack talk him tack him i don't never know how to say tie cam tie cam tie cam some friend right? sorry tyler i don't know how to clearly i don't know how to pronounce things i have an accent um blame it on my accent um ty cam laced up the guitar i originally played the guitar myself on my three string guitar and <clears throat> repurposed the song when he heard it it was just kind of like pads and the vocal idea but it was strong and like the harmonies and stuff was real real cool uh and yeah, like I said, he gave me the gas to finish it, so I played some guitar stuff, laced it out a little bit better, and had Ty Cam add some real guitar, because obviously I'm not a good guitar player. Oh, I forgot to mention in my box of content, I am playing guitar on that song, and it sounded pretty cool. 
to me. Um, so yeah, back to fairy tales. So fairy tales was kind of like the whole uh, in-your-face explanation of the whole concept of the album. Like if you didn't get it before with the other songs leading into it, this song was like the slap in your face, like, hey, this is what it is. But we can thank Cool Hand Podcast for me actually finishing the song and making it work within the track list of the album because I didn't really know where to put it. I also wanted to keep the the album within the 13 track frame and that would have extended it. And I love um, beat changes in songs, especially when they're drastic like these these two were between the nonfiction and the fairy tales. Uh, and I felt like they were a good contrast between, okay, we're getting out of the, my box of content was like the um, punch in the gut, like, hey, suck it up. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that, but also like, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself, even though you're you're lying to yourself, thinking that you're happy in your current circumstances. And this song is like kind of coming back into what's real and what's not. Shout out to the Cool Hand Podcast. Exe- sure. Executive producer. Um, Do you want these now? No. Good. I got a big hat on. You don't deserve them. Oh, your hat's getting bigger, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to have contributed uh, just a little bit. It was just a little Thank bit. Thank you. Um, and to this day. I, I consume everything. I still like it. I like my opinion never changed. Like, I, yeah, know. and I redid the vocals too. That's another one of those push push pull things. When I improve the production, I'm like, I gotta sing this better. So that's what I did. But yeah, shout out shout out to you for uh, for making that and keeping it on there. Happy to have it on there. Me uh, too. To listen to. I feel like it's uh, an important track. And I like the transition. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it is it is important. Like you said, it's in your face. Um, like if you didn't get it, you'll get it now. One thing I forgot to mention: um, there's uh, a couple pivotal tracks on the album uh, where it's like um, the 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 tone changes, and <clears throat> if you listen to the songs, you'll hear me say, "All right." I don't know if you if you caught on to that, but there's um there's I think four four songs or three songs on the album, and they're the four like um, tone changes songs, where you'll hear in the song like um, my box of content I say, all right, um, in the final song I say all right, um, there was another oh, I can't remember. um in the womb. I say all right before the the beat come before the you know the uh but anyways that's like the connective tissue between the album. So if anybody's listening to the album and you hear there's I think four or three songs which are the pivotal songs. Um I mentioned three of them. I'm failing to remember the fourth one. Um Leave it as it is, not how it was. It was Leave it as it is, not how it was. It was in that right before the verse um uh, My Box of Content. It was in that one. Um, right before the verse, um, and it's it's the same recording, and I just copy and paste it into the other th- songs to to show the transitions between the tone um, in the womb. Uh, it 
I don't think it's in keys. It might have been in key. I don't think it's in keys. Keys, healing process, let it be. You said in the womb, not Maybe. chemistry. Not chemistry. You didn't say it in silver. It's lining. like every third song or something like that. Three, one, two. That would be silver lining, one, two. Fairy tales, nonfiction, one, two. Best friend. Best friend? Maybe. Uh, that's for the listeners to find out. Honestly, at this go. point in time, I can't even remember my own lyrics, but uh, keep a lookout for that. That that helps connect um, the songs even more. Like, just so people know, I'm I'm not just throwing stuff against the wall. There's actually like some thought into these things. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, that, that's another conversation. I know you um, like artists. Um, they might get like mad upset or not mad upset or maybe frustrated or maybe flabbergasted surprised taken aback that some people don't get certain things i don't um, care cat. i do that stuff for my own entertainment you ever yeah. crack a joke and you just laugh at it because it's because it's, it, it makes you laugh i've been roasting you this whole time so yeah okay yeah you're <laughs> not funny so you're funny to yourself <laughs> no i'm just playing <laughs> No, but no, no like, like I, I do that stuff for my, point. it's, it's for my own entertainment, that kind of stuff. But like, if, if you're into that kind of stuff, you'll find it. See, but you know what? If you didn't say certain things, it would, if anybody else said some of the things you said, it would sound like a reach. Mm -hmm. Facts. Mm -hmm. Cause I see, I see stupid stuff on the internet, but it's stupid to me. Mm -hmm. If somebody, if I like, cause I read comments, I get entertainment out of it. Now, if somebody said on a comment on your song, do you notice that, or, or his album, let's say he has a full album and it says on YouTube, I'll be on YouTube at work. Did you notice that on this song, this song and this song, he said, all right before, and they're the deepest I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Like maybe that's just like, you know, sometimes Drake says, look, uh, all right. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't think anything of it. I wouldn't bat an eye. Right. So if you didn't say some of these things, if somebody else pointed it out, I'd be like, all right, buddy, like, you're mm -hmm. doing too much nerd hip hop stuff. Like, yeah. it's, it's not that deep. But but um, it is. It, it is. But yeah, when you, when you notice that kind of stuff, those are all songs that are like um, points of acceptance. That's why it's all right. It's like okay, I'm accepting the way this is. It's it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of deep stuff with uh, crowded places, and I, re, I and most of it's for my own satisfaction because I know people aren't people don't have the stop quit while you're ahead. People don't have the um, what's the term? People don't have the patience to 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 um care about that kind of stuff. They don't. Which is fine with me. Like I said, um, the reason why I say it's album of the year because it's music. I made the music for myself, and it's the music I want to hear. Uh, so, you know, people don't have the patience for that kind of stuff. So I do it for myself. And I right. put those little little Easter eggs in there for me because yeah. I think it's cool. I agree. I but this is the one thing I'll say about that. People generally don't have the patience when something when you capture that one person and it's probably just going to be one person every time. Um and for like bigger artists like Kanye, Kendrick, 
it's a percentage. It's a small percentage mm-hmm. of people who want to break everything down. So yeah. yeah, they were trying to break down Kendrick's last album, and that was a huge reach. The whole play it in reverse. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> Shout out to Kendrick Lamar. He's one of my favorite. He's one of the goats. Yeah, he, he he's is. up there with me. But um, I don't want to talk about. It. Don't bring his name. Don't bring. That's not even. Like, I don't. Shout out to Kendrick Lamar. He's to, fire. To pimp a butterfly is his best project. Um, go anyway. on to the next. <laughs> yeah, well, you brought him up. You wanted to talk about Kendrick. I I love Kendrick. He's cool. <laughs> he's great. He's an influence on me. Um, he's up there with me. <laughs> we're going toe to toe people people want to talk about peer groups i'm not i'm not battling i'm not i'm not i'm not looking at peer groups um go to the next song yeah let, let's talk about nonfiction because that's where the rapping comes in mm-hmm. yeah that's just um it's just classic um you know hip-hop just bars explaining um my coming to terms of reality also while um displaying the fact that i can rap (laughs) um that's pretty much what that is um the beat was a sample that i took from a cassette of my dad and um, his friend Nick Kamenisi, them jamming together. Um, I, I just took that from that part of the cassette, looped it, throw some drum, drums and percussion on it, and uh, just started rapping. That's a good tidbit. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I never knew that, never yeah. would have thought of that. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Johnny Who. Shout out to uh, Nick. Yeah, he goes, uh, his band's called Saturday, S-A-D, some pretty good uh, rock, alternative rock music. You know, we started this uh, second part of the interview on a Friday, and uh, now it's Saturday. It is now Saturday. Uh, let's move on to, uh, and by the way, Fairy Tales nonfiction, at least on Apple Music, is one of the more popular songs, so... Um, Shout out to that song. Shout out to you. So that song's like a um a perfect um representation of me as an artist. I feel like it covers all the bases. We get a change of pace with your first single, Be Alright. Mm-hmm. Now explain this song how it came on the album and what made you pick this as your first single um i liked the song because it kind of um had like a empowering motive to it but also had like some really like sad and dark undertones which again kind of falls into like my personality and like the whole like satire and kind of like twisted way of doing things which i like um the song's pretty dark uh like fundamentally but it sounds good and it's very high energy um ibn he uh did some co-production on that he did like most of the production stuff some of the drum work the transitional stuff um all the synth stuff was me 
and uh yeah the song just feels like like an introduction you know even like when the rap rap first came in i felt like that's like a perfect especially since um like when that song came out there was like a little period of time from when i dropped music so i felt like that verse kind of felt like a representation of of me and my personality and coming back you know the whole like um uh moving like a myth thing that's like one of my favorite lines ever because i feel like that kind of like represents me well in the way i do things what made you choose this as a single because this song is one of a kind on the album there's no song that sounds like it remotely close like it's in its own category interesting i i would say awake has a similar um vibe to it um i like i said i chose it as the single and it's not really like a single i just chose it as like a a song to people to hear where i'm going with, with my sound um and that's why i chose it and like i said because the verse felt like a a reintroduction of who i am kind of it had that little um call back to somewhere soon um in there and then like i said the move like a myth thing i feel like that kind of represents my personality and how i kind of live life how did this song come together in in the sense of okay you're making this song you did the production on this one right and ivan did the co-production but mm. what was it sounding like before he got his hands on it I mean, you can kind of hear it in the documentary. Uh, it's one of the first songs that is shown in the documentary. You know, I'm in my room, and I got the microphone. I have my glasses and my hoodie on, and I'm just kind of like riffing the vocal idea. You can kind of see the vocal idea come come to life. Um, so, yeah, that's how it sounded. It was the um, drums weren't as hard-hitting hard hitting as they are in the final version. That was also like a really, I had a hard time mixing this song because I wanted the bass when you, I wanted the bass to like destroy you when you, when you would hear it in like a good system, I wanted the bass to destroy you. And it was just like, it wasn't enough. So I just kept trying to push it and push it. And there's a certain limit if you know anything about <clears throat> like mastering. There's yeah, a certain, yeah. There's a certain, yeah, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a certain limit on how you could push things before it starts to crap out. And it starts to distort. So I was really trying to push it like right to a fine line. But I really wanted it to like destroy your ears with the bass. So that was like my goal with that song. Okay. Did you hear anybody? Did anybody text you or hit you up about the bass? Oh, yeah. 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 Mission accomplished. I was about to say something. Yeah. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I let my dad hear it, he was like, it was like, rattling his ears i'm like perfect wow. that's wow. what i wanted <laughs> yeah when he heard it because uh i whenever i finish a project i give it to him to um listen to make sure you know give the final okay on the mixing and like you know that i'm not like jumping out the window too much you know stuff i'm saying or whatever mm -hmm. all right so uh awake i'll be awake oh uh any story noteworthy points from this song that you want to bring out? 
Um, I mean, the, the song's pretty self-explanatory. It's kind of like coming out of the the fantasy of it all. It kind of ties back to the whole like um, chemistry thing. It's probably like the answer to the chemistry thing where, you know, you need a little bit more than chemistry. Chemistry is a good way to get yourself into the door. But sometimes you need a little bit more and the, the awake is like, okay, I'm awaking from what this fantasy gave me. And, you know, I need a little bit more f- for myself and what I'm worth. Um, so that song is kind of like coming to and the realization that you need to, uh, you know, accept things for the way that they are. And you had, you mentioned this in the first part. Um, first part of the interview. Just to reiterate, we had uh, Ivan. What did he yeah, do on this he one? Yeah, he co-produced this one as well. He did like a lot of the transitional stuff. The song was pretty much done, and I sent it to him, and he kind of just laced it up, put a bow over the top of it, made it the things flow a little bit better. Um, the drums, part of the drums, actually, I did, and I muted, and then he, um, he unmuted them, and kind of like tweaked them a little bit and made them useful. So I put them back in the song. Cause I, originally I sent it to him to redo the drums. Cause I'm like, I wasn't really happy with the drums, but he ended up unmuting the drums and just making them sound a little bit better. And then he kind of add like the transitional, the kind of like weird delay effects and stuff like that. Um, he's really good at spatial effects and creating depth in songs and the little glitchy stuff. That was him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's. I get. I think you guys work pretty well together. The things yeah. that you collaborate on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a different kind of energy when um, he's doing songs with me, which is why I was like kind of confused when you're like nothing on the album sounds like be all right to me. Awake, which is part of the reason why I put it after. Um, be all right was because sonically, I feel like they're in the same world. Like throughout the album, you can kind of hear the transition, the song, the music go in that direction, and then it fully embraces it at that point. Let's go to um, another one of my favorite songs. One of mine, too. Which is Best Friend. Um, I wanted to ask you this question, but I'm just going to make this a statement um, for time's sake. Would you agree that this is the most underrated song on the project? Easily, yeah. Right. Why is that? To me, it's like the the pinnacle of of everything that I like about music. It's got the story, the lyrics, the synths. I love synths. It's got the synths. It's got the hard hitting drums. Drums. It's kind of got like that throwback, like eighties uh vibe to it. it's got the strings it's got the vocorder the the choir basically like everything that i love about music is in that song what is this song about uh the song is about accepting the fact that you can't control everything and that you have to separate paths from people eventually you have to split split ways you go, you do what's best for you, and I'm going to do what's best for me. That's what the song is. The choir wasn't always, wasn't always a part of this song. Correct. I can't remember what the song sounded like 
when we were coming back from Ohio. Can't remember. Um, but I remember you. We was chopping it up through the text message, and you were playing around with the idea of uh, reaching out to this, reaching out to a choir. I didn't know which mm-hmm. choir. Reaching out to a choir. And we got to see the fruits of that in the documentary. Now, in regards to the choir, um, can you shout them out? What's their names? Uh, so the name of the choir is Musica Children's Choir. Um, go ahead. How did you find them? Just uh, Google. I Googled a children's choir. It was very important to me that I wanted childlike vocals at the end of this song. Um, I found another choir. It didn't work out. The guy never replied back to me. So I hit these people. Um, Yeah, and it worked out. They... It worked out. They, um, they've done vocal work on a lot of like people's albums, like professional, big time artists. Why did you want a children's choir on this specific song? Um, like I said, a lot of a lot of the parts of the album is about coming into adulthood um realizing about you know innocence being lost and all that stuff so the the children's choir kind of just represent that that youthfulness that i was trying to reclaim but also accepting the fact that that you know you have to you can't be young forever and you can't you know but that stuff can still be a part of you so that's why it was important that I wanted that youthful voice at the end, you know. Why do you think this song is overlooked? Uh, I mean, for me, it doesn't compute. Uh, if you're saying I'm a robot, my response is this does not compute. It doesn't make sense. I, I Probably because, like I said, people don't have patience. So the song's long. It's a six minute song. It's an it's an opus. You know, it's a it's a it's a dynamic song. It's long. It goes on, but it's it's about the payoff, you know, that's part of it too. So uh, it's probably just too long. People don't people don't got time for long songs. I have a theory. Um, and I, I told you this before, but I'm going to say this on camera. I have a theory that people get album fatigue and they do not make it mm-hmm. so far. That's That was my theory. Mm-hmm. Um, especially we, you know, we mentioned, okay, people are listening from the top. And as time goes on, is your album under an hour? Barely. It's like 56 minutes. So it's long. It's close. And I think a lot of people who are listening to the album are around our age with Mm. with, within within five years of our age. Mm -hmm. Um, And these and all these people have lives. All these people go to work like I might, you know, plug in the ox before I go to work and get to work and be on like the fourth song. And then I don't get back to it. 
and then it might start over the next day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are getting get album fatigue, especially when your first couple, your first three songs. This always happens when an album comes out. The first three, four songs all have stars next to it on Apple Music because mm-hmm. that's because you don't finish the album, and then it's like, okay, let me start from the top because you don't want to start where you left off or you forget where you left off. Yeah, and all these songs become like, you know, the numbers are going up crazy for these songs. Yeah. But that's that's one of my theories because there is nothing wrong with the song or they just get simply tired because this is one of my favorite songs. I like what you do on the song. Um, Not that it matters, but I feel like I love various genres. Mm. And I listen to a lot of different stuff. And I feel like my ear can speak for the common person. The one person I really can't understand is Kid Cudi. I don't understand how he's... I'm dead serious. Like, like, and I, and I don't say that to just hate on Kid Cudi, but I'm saying, like, I feel like my ear can understand why people like a lot of different things. And I can't find why someone wouldn't like best friend or why as this is an underrated track why it wouldn't be as lit as the other ones just it's being frank um so i think it may be an album fatigue cats get tired they might have been listening to the joint for a while and by best friend it's like all right i'm i'm exhausted like all right let me let me turn on some dolph like i will say um one of the things I did want to accomplish with the album was to exhaust people by the end of it. I wanted you to feel drained. Why? Because it was exhausting to make. <laughs> so you and wanna... the content is exhausting. So I wanted people to feel that. So if that's what came across, cool. Mission accomplished again. But I did want people to feel exhausted after, like it's a workout. Interesting. Misery loves company. So. Um, best friend was there anything else you wanted to add about um best friend i feel like there's a lot you know there's a lot that can be talked about with this yeah i mean i just love the song and people can they can break it down however they want shout out to la musica is that mm-hmm. la musica not Children's? la musica is it that's not la musica <laughs> that's why just I musica oh, okay <laughs> they were also featured on uh donda by kanye west who? <laughs> so funny story. Um, I don't know if I told you this before. Eh, I did tell you this. Um, Kanye was doing his thing, and they actually pushed my studio session forward because he he pushed the button on them. I was like, I need y'all Sunday, and that was when they were going to record my song. <clears throat> so they had to do my song early, which worked out for me. Because we had the assembly Sunday and I wasn't able to listen in for the studio session. So um, when it came to them pushing the date back and the only reason why I was able to find out was because I messaged them and they were like, oh, yeah, we had to push it back because Kanye wants to use us um, Sunday. Um, So I was able to actually listen into the session and direct them how I wanted them. So I'm very grateful for that. So thank you, Kanye West, for um, exercising your celebrity on me and pushing my studio session back because I was able to direct the song to be how exactly how I wanted it to be. 
Good segue to uh, the very last track, Leave It As It Is, Not How It Was. Um, now, I, I would say it would be easy to say that, okay, this sums up the album, mm -hmm. but I want to hear it from crowded places. <laughs> it sums up the album. Okay. <laughs> it sums up the album. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. You listen to that verse and it explains the entire album. Um, it gives you the fairy tale aspect of it. It has the sample from uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, J Jack the Giant. You know what I mean? The Beanstalk, Jack and the Beanstalk. You never heard Jack and the Beanstalk? When you said Giant, then I thought James and the Giant Peach. That's why I'm like, hold on, finish. Okay. The Giant. When Jack had the bean, he threw the beans in the the ground, and he the beans grew into a beanstalk. He okay. climbed it up into the Giant. The Giant feet five foe foam. Got you. It's it's a part of the like I said earlier the fairy tale metaphors and references are throughout the whole entire album. It comes to a head at this this song. It's the summary of the album, but it's also the acceptance of it. <clears throat> I think that's the, probably the best verse on the album. It's a very good track, very good track. I I like what you did with uh, your vocals, especially toward the end, how um, they kind of fade out and the pitch changes. I got mm -hmm. that right. Um, there's also another choir at the end of that song, a live choir. It's not a sample. Who's that? But it's not like a legit choir. It's just a male and a female vocalists who do those type of vocals, and they um, doubled it to you know you know make it sound like a choir. But live vocals, more people that I hired. That's good enough. Yeah, shout them out. I don't. I can't pronounce their names. They're. Right. I don't know how to pronounce their names. Got you. They're from a different country. Maybe foreign. I don't know, but they killed it. Right. Shout out! Shout out to them. And you had strings on that. Did you have somebody play the strings, or is that yes? Okay. This is the same string players prior. Um, this one, I wrote. I wrote the the strings for this one. For the most part, I believe. Yeah. So, like, there's a few songs where I let the strings players. Um, kind of do their thing around based off the melodies that I created. Um, and other ones, I I wrote the melodies with virtual strings and I just had them record them live. And I, I believe this was one of them where I, I wrote these. Thank you for sharing that. I want to... I want to ask about the the album as a whole. How do you feel about the album? You call it album of the year, yeah, because that's mm -hmm. what you like to listen to. How do you feel about this album as a body of work that you put it out, that you were vulnerable, although everybody might not relate to everything or catch everything? How do you feel about this album? What is its <clears throat> importance? Uh, I mean, I'm extremely proud of it. I think it perfectly represents everything I wanted to do with music. Um, you know, while I was making the album, I was kind of afraid, like, man, I hope I don't die before I can finish this because I want, <laughs> I want to make, I want to make sure that it, you know, it comes out. I, I was, I don't know. It's like a weird thing to think about, but I'm like, man, I hope I don't die before I can put this, put this album out. Um, I've had that thought. Yeah, um, so I'm just glad that I was able to, <laughs> to put it out before I died. <laughs> uh, 
So for me, it just felt like, hey, I, I've done everything that I wanted to do with music for this album. Of course, I have like a lot of more ideas for what I want to do, but I feel like uh, the album is like a perfect representation of what I love about music, why I do music, um, kind of like a good glimpse into who I am and how I think about things. And also like why, what I love about music and how you can like learn lessons from it, but also like have something that you can continually like take things from and um, kind of digest more. So um, yeah, I, I, I uh, it's everything I could have wanted it to be and more, you know? If I didn't have more ideas, after this, I would feel like I don't know what to do after this, <laughs> if that makes sense. I'm 99% sure I asked you this on the first time around, on part one, but how do you feel about the reception it's gotten? Very happy. It accomplished its mission and inspired people. You did say that. Yeah. That does refresh yep. my, refreshes my own. And memory. that's the goal with what I do. Like, uh, I can have the sunglasses on and be in my rapper bag or whatever. But at the end of the day, I make music because I was inspired to make it. And it helps me to kind of function throughout life. It's like a, an extra thing that kind of helps me, uh, you know, become more of who I am or realize more of what I, what I am. Uh, so if, if, if what I do can help pe other people to kind of feel the same way or look at things the other way or to kind of push themselves, like I said, we were talking about writer's block and, you know, <clears throat> stop accepting if it can help people to stop accepting like what you think is passable, but you know, it's not good enough and you can do better. Maybe it'll make you think, okay, maybe I should start doing better and stop pacifying myself as a human being. Because it's very easy to pacify yourself and say, well, well, you know, it's like you spend a week working out. And it's like, well, I spent a, a week working out, so I'm going to buy a cupcake because I spent the week. That's pacifying yourself because you did good. You know, I, I spent seven days and didn't eat nothing bad, so I'm going to get myself a cupcake. And it's like, no, keep going. Keep doing better. Don't just baby yourself because you've been doing good, you know, for a little bit. Um, yeah. That don't relate to writer's block. Laziness is what I'm talking about. Stop being lazy. That's not lazy. Okay. Well, you don't agree with my writer's block take. No. Well, well I, I, you could be. Honestly, you said something earlier that um stop giving yourself excuses. I'm not if you if you know you can do better at something, do better at it. That's what I'm saying. Anyways, you never yeah, had right you clearly never had writer's block before, but even though you said something earlier that um falls under the the umbrella of writer's block. Um cuz you said something your definition of writer's block you said what something, did I say? You said something earlier, and I only mentally took note because this isn't this. You know that wasn't about what I was thinking, or you know it wasn't about writer's block at that time. 
But uh, since we're at the end of this, um, you said something about how like you'll you're not feeling it and you'll save it. Mm. That's that's a that's a side effect of writer's block. I know. Yes. You're referring to uh, let it be. When I said I had the idea as soon as as soon as I heard the beat, I had my idea of how I wanted to approach it. But I didn't have the um, emotional connection to it to fulfill that wasn't, it. It wasn't let it be. This this was something you said in passing. Like this wasn't something that was focused on. It was it was something else. I can't. But, but I've never had writer's block. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying Samson. You had writer's block at this moment. I'm saying what you said can fall under the umbrella of writer's block, where you are there. You have something. And I'm not saying like you can't even start. You can get started and then get stuck. And you can't literally, when I say, I don't think you understand writer's block is literally a block. And you're saying it doesn't exist. You just work over, work through it. That's like me saying, you know, anxiety. There's, okay, anxiety is, is just an excuse so you don't have to take accountability. I and But for somebody with real anxiety or depression, like, you know, I, I just looked at my, my my chart. I just looked at my chart like in the doctor's office chart. And one of my things is depressive mood. I'm like, who said I was depressed? Who said I had a depressive mood? I'm me. I'm just I'm just living. I'm like, who told y'all to write that? But because I'm horrible comparison. No, no, no because you can't relate just because you can't relate doesn't mean. That it does that it's not there. That's but what I'm saying. Writer's block and depression are no, 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 completely no, different no, no. House. My point is just because you can't relate doesn't mean it's not there. I can't relate because I think we all get anxious, but sometimes I think the, the anxiousness, anxiety, there's it's not comparable. I, that's what you say. That's what you say. <laughs> because you don't you don't want it to make sense because you don't you don't want it to make sense. Maybe you don't want it to make you sense. You don't want it to make because sense. Because you've had writer's block. No, 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 no. Because you fake haven't had writer's block. It's not a fake. You fake haven't had writer's block. It's not block. a fake. You've never been stuck on nothing creatively. You've never had no type of block. You just had to work harder and you got over it. Work harder, get over it. You just had to work harder and get over work it. Work harder, get over it, do something else. <laughs> Work harder, get over Writer's it block is an excuse. Else. All right. You never had no type lack of block, of, even though you said it on camera. That's a lack of inspiration. That's a lack. Okay, inspiration and having writer's block is two different things. Okay, but inspiration plays a part in writer's block. But it's two different things. Inspiration doesn't directly affect having a block, a mental block. You can't have a block if you... Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Like You, you can't you, have a block if you're inspired. Yes, you can. I don't. <laughs> exactly. And you can't relate. Just because it's you not... can't relate doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't relate doesn't mean it's not there. Facts. No. Facts. No, you're you're twisting something into something that's not. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're smiling because you know you're playing games. I'm not playing. You are playing games. You're, I'm being serious. You're, you're playing games. You're a psychopath. <laughs> You're playing games. This is the dude who came dressed up you're... as a mobster because he watched Batman <laughs> 24 hours ago. And this now... is the dude who's wearing a fedora because he listened to Joe Budden once. You made that up. I, I have this because I like it. Okay. <laughs> Romantic. Does anxiety exist? Of course. Does writer's block exist? You know I get anxious every single day. I don't care. I can't relate. 
You don't get With anxious. You're just lazy. You're just soft. That's a poor excuse. You're talking about a real that tangible a vi- thing that affects that is, people compared to something that, is, that people do as a hobby. That is a poor excuse. You see, hear that mental health people? I want y'all to get on this boy. <laughs> He's weaponizing mental health. You hear that? Get on him in the comments. I want you to get on him. Twitter, where are you at? <laughs> You're weaponizing something that's real compared to a hobby. Writer's block. To make your point. See, this is, this, is, is this is what we're talking about with psychopaths because he's trying to use this to twist it onto me like this is something that I do. This is get. Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard of the term gaslighting? This is what gaslighting is to make somebody feel like what they're doing is wrong, but it's really what you're doing. Isn't that what you're doing right now? No. You're gaslighting me because I say writer's block is a myth. So you're using real issues to try to make it seem like writer's block is a real issue. Let me tell you about writer's block. It's irrelevant. Work harder. You're into the reaches. I'm I'm in reality. I made an album about getting out of fantasy land. Get out of fantasy. Maybe you need to listen to this album one more time. I didn't think it was good. Okay. I wouldn't want to give it another listen. That's cool. I didn't make it for you. Didn't you just say that was an excuse? You said that in a group chat. You can't use that as an excuse. This wasn't for my... You're not my audience. Go ahead. I'm happy with everything I said. I wanted you to be happy with it. Well, thanks for coming on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on the show, Crowd of Places. Um, I appreciate you uh, talking about the album and the process and everything. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say about the album, just your own personal feelings toward it or um, any shout outs? No, I, I'm just. Uh, I'm really happy with how it came out and. Um, you know, it. it um, it's really uh, satisfying to have something uh, be how you intended it to be, but also like allowing it to be kind of be, be, kind of be its own thing. Uh, I don't want to like, I, I hate when people like get too like into their own behind about the stuff that they do. This is your but work. It, yeah, but it's, it's just cool. Like I have something that kind of um, properly represents me and, um, it does what I like. I said it does what I what I wanted it to do, which is cool. I'm I'm proud of it, and that's that's all I'll say. And um, extremely grateful for everybody who was a part of it. My sisters, my dad, uh, my cousin Victoria Cantu, Chlorophyll Collins, that T plus, you know, uh, uh, 3D on the drums, you know. Uh, for me, music is uh, personal, so it's a blood thing. So I don't let people, I don't just let people easily get into my process of making my stuff. So like, if they're a part of the process, then they are valuable to me and they're important to me. So it's cool to have um, valuable people be a part of my process. And uh, IBN too, you know even though we're not like that close, but you know, he, he was there 
for a while from the start. Um, he's one of those people, and we've had some real conversations. Um, but anyways, all that aside, it's just it's cool to have something I can be proud of, and other people who are part of it can have something that can be proud of, and it represents represents them properly as much as it represents me properly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, man, that, that's that's just what it is. Crowd of places on the Cool Hand podcast. 